Uh, I want to invite everyone to go to HankStrange.com. That's right. Go there. Sign up for our email list. Uh, we're giving away lots of stuff, but you have to be signed up for the email list in order to do that. Also, we've got Lola's deals on there. Lola posts daily deals on there. That's a good way to support the channel and what we do. We have links to all the different things that we're getting up to. You can see our GunStreamer account, uh, links to that through... Um, through the hankstrange.com so please go over there in the meanwhile smash the thumbs ups uh, ring the bell all that kind of good stuff share that we're live right now with POF Frank DeSoma of Patriot Ordnance Factory is live with us so I'm gonna kick off the show right now let me press the button start the open welcome back Boom. to the Hank Strange situation here we go Life make sure you guys subscribe thumbs up ring the bell so you can be notified when we go live Frank we do this thing here called jazz hands. It's like this. This is how we do the jazz hands. All right. I hope you got your big girl <laughs> panties on. This is episode 541 of the Who Moved My Freedom podcast. I'm the host, your host, Hank Strange. Joining me, Frank DeSoma, POF, USA, Patriot Ordnance Factory. Not plenty of fish. So... Totally we still catch them. Yeah, don't get it <laughs> twisted. Don't get it twisted. Uh, Frank's joining us. He's going to be here the two hours. We're going to have fun. You guys can ask questions. We'll we'll, we'll get to know uh, Frank DeSoma and POF uh, a little bit better here. Uh, one other thing I want to do, remind everyone, Franklin Armory sponsoring the podcast. We appreciate the dudes out of Franklin Armory for supporting us. Uh, makers of like binary triggers and, and lots of other cool things. So you guys can go check them out. All right, that's it. We're here. Smash the thumbs ups, ring the bell, share this with your friends. Frank DeSoma, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you, Hank. How are you doing? I'm good. good. Evening. Yes, good evening. Yes, it, in, I'm in Florida. You're in Arizona, right? Yep, it's four o'clock here. Four o'clock. <laughs> yeah, here it's about seven. So <laughs> <laughs> it's about seven. Uh, how, what's the temperature over in Arizona right now? Oh, I think it's around 80 degrees today. 80? Oh, beautiful okay. day. Beautiful. Yeah. It's a nice, beautiful day over here as well, man. It's around 80 here. Humid. I don't know. It's probably a little drier out in Arizona, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we don't have the humidity issue except during the monsoon season. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, what part of Arizona are you guys in? Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix. Okay. I've been through there. I've been through there. Um, I don't think I've ever been to the POF factory. I got Next time I'm in Phoenix, I need to do that, though. We're up in the Deer Valley Air Park area. We built a new factory eh, just over two years ago. You're oh, welcome okay, cool. anytime. Yeah. Anytime you're in Phoenix, stop on by. Absolutely. I will drop in. Um, I'll, I'll steal like a, one of those shopping carts from a Walmart or something, and I'll, I'll grease through the factory there. I'll take this and this and that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so listen, let's just jump into this here. Uh, for the folks out there who don't who don't know what your background is, can you tell us like who's Frank DeSoma? You know, where'd you start out? I'm a, I'm no different than you or anyone that's listening. I'm just a another American patriot that actually cares and loves for our country. But I started in aerospace. I started manufacturing as a kid out of high school, and I took some co college courses and stuff like that. But I ended up working my way from a basic machinist to a tool and die maker to starting a CNC shop and eventually became a process engineer. And I determined how things would get built 
in the factory when we were making, you know, aircraft components and parts, whether it was pneumatics division or engines division. Oh, so, okay. Are you, um, so where are you from originally? What part of the country are you from? Well, that's even funnier. Because as a kid, I was born in Brooklyn. Brooklyn! Brooklyn! Brooklyn. We call it Brooklyn. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. house. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Phoenix is my home. I'm a desert yeah. rat. And I okay. came out here when I was 10. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love Arizona. I love the openness or whatever. And I often wonder what I would be doing if I was back in that liberal yeah I grew up I grew up in New York also so I'm from I well I'm not from New York I guess you know I was born in uh, in South America but in Guyana um you know I I think we went to live in New York when I was about 11 so wow. I, I consider myself like I grew up in New York you left at 10 do you consider yeah. yourself a New Yorker or an Arizonian Arizonian oh okay and yeah. I mean but I could talk shit about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Been there, listen, done everyone that. T- listen, everyone talks shit about New York. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, how would you love to be uh, 9 million people stuck on a seven-mile island? Not a good feeling. Um, no, yeah, in Manhattan. Um, yeah, especially now. Uh, yeah. No. no, not so much, not so much. I mean, but even like in the five boroughs, you know, you're – you know, you're a Kings County native there, right? That's Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn's Kings County in New York, right? I was in yeah. a... But the borough of Kings is Brooklyn, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All so, I know is as a kid, I mean, it was nice growing up as a kid. I mean, what does a kid know? You had friends, you go out, yeah. you see all the different cultures, all the different par- block parties. It was fun. Was that, uh, was that the 70s? Was that the 80s? Yeah. Was it the 50s? The late, the late 60s, early 70s, okay. and I moved to Arizona in 73. Oh, um, 73. Wow. I was like a baby. I was a year old. Yeah, I have uh, I have uncles and aunts and cousins that still live there. But I can tell you one thing. I took the wife there a couple of years back, visiting family. It was an unsettling feeling going through Manhattan without a firearm because I'm too used to carrying concealed everywhere I go. Yeah, yeah. That's a good, safe feeling. And yeah. just basically, I felt like you're a sheep in a slaughterhouse just hoping it's not your turn. Yeah, you know what? It is tough. Look, even when I go back to New York, right? And obviously, I lived in New York for a long time, grew up there. And, you know, so technically, you're not supposed to have any guns. I'm not going to say what I did <laughs> or what other people did, but technically, you're not supposed to have any guns. So, well, so supposedly, we grew up there like that, huh? The criminals have them, that's for sure. For sure. Definitely. New York is this weird place where the cops have guns, the criminals have guns, and sometimes the uh, cops and the criminals are the same people. (laughs) (laughs) Not a good situation. No. (laughs) There's something wonderful about our constitutional rights, isn't it? The right and the freedom, our individual right of choice to indulge in those freedoms or to not partake in them. It's yeah. your choice, but that's yeah. the greatness of it, is having the ability to have that choice mm-hmm. and to elect to use it or not to use it. Yeah, yeah. Right about now, I wish the, pe- the people in New York probably, one, wish they had a way out of there. But I know um, it's like lots of, I don't know if New York shut off itself, but or other states don't really want pe- the folks in New York right now. You know, everybody's trying to build a wall around New York at this moment. <laughs> 
<laughs> which is interesting. Isn't that racist? Uh, I don't know. I yeah, don't know. I mean, they, what they calling Trump when we want to protect our borders from people coming in, not yeah. knowing who they are. It's kind of New Yorkist, you know. So here's a funny thing about New York that gets me. You just mentioned Trump, right? Yeah. And I mean, you know, I'm I'm like in the middle of everything with Trump. Sometimes some things he does, I like, I support that. I voted for him. Some things he does, a hundred percent, do not support it, and all that kind of stuff. It is funny though, as a New Yorker. As someone who grew up there, and when I was growing up in New York, I've like um, uh, bumped into Trump several times, people in his family, all that kind of stuff. Uh, always been cool. Trump's always been like a New York hero, all that. Been in movies, uh, all the rappers talking about him. Then he becomes president, most hated person in New York City. They evict him out of New York City. Then he has to make, I think now, like, uh, New York's not even Trump's home state anymore he moved to florida apparently yep yeah what is Ain't going on <laughs> what's going on apparently yeah. you have a lot of people that are fake and not real friends yeah never were true friends but they were all his best friends because he was a billionaire and they're all there with their hands out mm-hmm. their hands out waiting for a campaign donation and all that kissing his ass mm-hmm. when you have someone that works for free I hate politicians. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit what party. Mm-hmm. They're all sleazeballs. They do nothing, know nothing, build nothing, create nothing, but they talk shit really good and efficient yep. about one another. Mm-hmm. They are absolutely fucking worthless. Yeah. In most cases, these. I, so why do you want a politician? I'd rather have a businessman that says says it for what it is. Bullshit's bullshit, or something's working is working. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And my God, the guy's in his 70s. He's a billionaire. You think he needs to put up with this bullshit? He's working for friggin' free. Tell me one fucking politician in Congress that's working for free for the people, the American people they care so much about. Yeah. Start with old Bernie, the communist. <laughs> oh, don't, don't, yeah. We, we could just, that's a whole rabbit hole we can go. Did we ever have a, per, did we ever have a president um, not take their salary? Was that, um, did that ever happen before? Done, I think it's been done twice, two other times. Oh, okay. Who didn't take a salary? Um, I can't Someone, remember. Yeah, people tell us. Tell us who, because that's interesting. That's interesting. I'll look it up on YouTube. It, it had to be, one was a businessman, too. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was in the. I think, I'm pretty sure Obama took his salary. Um, so huh? I'm pretty sure Obama took his salary. Well, he's got a nice home, right? You know, global warming, and you get a gorgeous home in the Hamptons right on the beach. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand. Uh, it. It's, it's, it's probably a submarine. Yeah. It's going to be underwater, ain't it? Yeah, but come on. I mean, that's the same thing Gore did in California, man. Yeah. Yeah. Al Gore's, like, you know, Al Gore made the movie about where he lives right now. In his movie, where he's living right now, that was the first place that got flooded. Yeah. And where does he go buy his house? Right there. You know what I mean? The rest of us are going to high ground, like, uh oh. Yeah, I wonder if he got his land for next to nothing because he did that movie and everyone sold and then Mm. he acquired a bunch of stuff. But, you know, I mean, politicians, I'm just curious how they're worth tens of millions of dollars when they're getting paid what they get paid. How what do they invest in? You Uh, know, 
the whole thing's a joke. It's a rigged system mm-hmm. for the politician because here's true tyranny. Mm-hmm. When politicians make laws that we, the people, have to live by and they're exempt from it, yeah, like the Affordable Care Act, that is tyranny. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Now, no one's getting shot or beat or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. But it's tyranny because now you have a system where they are above the law because they make the laws. So how many politicians do you ever see get criminally charged? It's almost extremely rare they got to have their hands caught in the kitty bar so you know mm-hmm. somewhere in the mm-hmm. kitty jar somewhere that is actually shown to the whole world and they can't hide it mm-hmm. you got these politicians right now that republicans and democrats that were selling stock before the pandemic mm-hmm. they saved their ass as martha stewart goes to jail for six months on some inside trading stock how yeah. about they go yeah. for years it's insane that that those guys that the the in Congress you can know about this stuff you can make the news and make the laws and you could trade off of that but you know in advance what's going to happen and, and that's got, and that's somehow not criminal. What what have they done for us in the last three years since Trump's been there? All we've seen is shit talk the whole time. Mm-hmm. What have they actually accomplished? Nothing but shit talk and looking at he's impeached. We got to impeach him. He's worked with Russia. Mm-hmm. I sure think they've right. waste, I think they've what they've done is waste a lot of time and money and effort and and instead of um, you know instead of getting out of the way and letting people do what they what they need to do look people on the Republican side were not happy when Obama became president there was not this much of stonewalling thrown up in front of him though no one was trying to impeach him every you know every two minutes so. Yeah, every- they're trying to have a committee to impeach and investigate him. Too bad we didn't really do it. And they want to talk about Hillary Clinton. She got away with murder. Yeah. Literally. I mean, so, I mean, we can go on and on. And I know this yeah. ain't where you want to go with your show. We're here to talk I, about other I'm but. here to go anywhere you want to go. Anywhere you want to go. We're, I'm we're, just sick and tired as an American citizen. Mm-hmm. You know, we build everything here in the United States. Mm-hmm. All our prints we specify have to be U.S materials raw materials they have to be made in the u.s any product or process that we don't do i don't do heat treating or plating has to be a u.s owned and operated company i buy some furniture or magazines same thing has to be owned by a u.s owned and operated manufacturing company Mm -hmm. why did i do that because in the 90s phoenix was a huge aerospace hub literally phoenix arizona Mm -hmm. A huge employment area and manufacturing was big in aerospace. Well, I got to watch it get dismantled in the 90s, getting offshored overseas. China couldn't make shit. Communist China, let's clarify what it is. Mm -hmm. And now they're making so many things because everyone sells their shit over there and has slaves make them. Mm -hmm. You know, people want to talk about slavery in the U.S., well, the biggest slaves right now, the Asian people called in China, called the Chinese people. Mm-hmm. They don't have freedom to do what they want. And the bullshit with this virus that started there, I'm sure only 82,000 people are infected and they're clean. These guys will smile in your face, shake your hand and lie to you all the fucking way. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. They aren't to be trusted, but we do business. Why would we want to do business with the enemy? 
the enemy that hates our way of life, the enemy that would use everything they can to destroy our way of life and take over. Yeah. It's weird I mean, how we do that and like essential essential things in America like things that we all know, hey, we might want to make this here in America where we have some kind of control over it. Um, that's made in China, and they have all the control over it. Yeah, <laughs> just think your medicine. I didn't have a clue. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So that's where Congress has totally failed the American people. All these asshole politicians that have been around mm-hmm. for 10, 20, 30, 40 years mm-hmm. – what have they done besides bury our country in debt? Mm-hmm. And they're they're in debt. We the people are in debt, but they're not. They have pensions. They have the best medical for life. They mm-hmm. get paid for life. Yeah, it shouldn't be that way. How they about, should have. How about they get no payment if the country's in debt. Yeah, they well, and they just keep the the way they do it is they're just printing money over there. That's yeah. the biggest <laughs> license that they have. So let me so let me try to like. Uh, Go back to something for a second. So when you moved to Arizona, you got into the aerospace industry, right? Yep. Okay. So um, you were in the a- in aerospace industry up until the times you're talking about that you said – I think you said in the 90s, all of that. Um, yeah, and of- I worked past that. We started my corporation mm-hmm. in 2002. But mm-hmm. 1992, I had a brain tumor. Okay. And I survived – for that, obviously, I'm here mm-hmm. on podcast, but mm-hmm. unless you're uh, in the Matrix, we don't know. You gotta pinch, you gotta pinch yourself. I'm not real. Yeah, you're Neo. You are Neo, Frank. If anybody's gonna be Neo, it's gonna be you. Uh, but uh, so, uh-huh. at the end of the day, I mean. Mm-hmm. You, you move forward in life. And I was a hobbyist. I've always, a neighbor took me out as a kid, went dove hunting, and then I eventually went deer hunting with dad mm-hmm. and my brothers and got around firearms and we were in the trucks and Jeeps growing up. So, but we always used what, you know, our parents showed us, traditional guns. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, often my friends will always ask me, how in the hell did you do this, Frank? And I said, we would have did it ourselves. I said, this is no different than us tricking and working out. I didn't hang around the street racers type of guys. We're in the trucks and Jeeps, mm-hmm. but we modified frames. We fabricate well, lift our vehicles. You know, okay. I used to mud bog, sand drag, you know, truck pulls. Oh, cool. Oh, that's cool. Like that. So yeah. you got to be mechanically inclined, rebuild vehicles, tear them down to the frame and just rebuild everything and put it all back together. And we would do that as hobbies for fun. Yeah, that's badassery, man. I wish I had those kinds of skills. And then we would go cruising on the weekends and chase girls. I mean, <laughs> what else is life? That is the that's American I, dream. <laughs> that's how I met my wife. Yeah, so. that's the American dream right there. So, so, uh, so I still love mm-hmm. vehicles. Mm-hmm. Vehicles to me, there was no phones when we were growing up as kids, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't have – I got to see cell phones as an adult, you know, house phone – was really dialing 911, wasn't it? Yeah. You actually dialed yeah. the phone. You went, to, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I look at that. It was like you went outside and you played and did stuff. The freedom for me was the day I got my my own pickup truck that I bought, an old beat-up Ford F100, 1966. What? 
Still remember it today. Okay, 1966 I, Ford F100. I need to go see what this looks like. Yeah, and I, and I purchased it from a neighbor for 500 bucks. I would literally mow front and back lawns for $5. I would take yeah. a mower go door to door through the neighborhood with a gallon of gas and knock on doors and ask people to mow their lawns. Mm -hmm. I got enough money, and I got I bought the truck. It had a camper on it, and I yeah. sold the camper. That's a, cool, that's a cool truck, man. I'm looking at them right now. Those are cool. Yeah, it's an old truck. Yeah, like and, uh, one's in good shape, a pretty, you know. Yeah, so yeah. I rebuilt yeah. the engine in high school with Victor Auto. Oh, wow. And it was working, stuff like that. So mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I rebuilt my own vehicle. So the day I felt freedom was the day I literally drove from my parents' house on my own to wherever the hell I wanted to go. That, to me, was my real first taste of freedom. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Here was some kid yeah. that bought a truck, rebuilt it, did everything, worked with his own hands and built mm -hmm. everything, yeah. mowed lawns for five bucks, front and backyards. How many kids will do that today? None. Um, Definitely not mine. I had to get goats. <laughs> That's like <laughs> I have to get goats. But uh, <laughs> I'm not a lamb. <laughs> but I mean, uh -huh. at the end of the day, to me, I still feel that way today. I love, and I'm like, I have vehicles. I'm around vehicles. Some of the fun stuff I do outside of work mm -hmm. is a lot of car shows or mm -hmm. or drive-ins or cruises. Good guys show comes yeah. to town. Yeah, you know, didn't I? So Aaron Jackson auctions here. Too. Yeah. So I think that I ran into you at SEMA show, didn't I? Yep. Yeah, that's true. You did. Yeah. So that's the ultimate car show, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, SEMA show. We can people might get mad at us because we're not talking about guns yet, but we will. <laughs> we got two hours. But first of all, let me say something at SEMA show. Right. Uh, first of all, I'm not like I'm definitely not the biggest person in the gun world at all. Really tiny, tiny channel. But I was at SEMA show um, and I, was, I think I was there by myself just uh, running around doing my thing. And this guy taps me. He's like, uh, you're Hank Strange. And I was like, oh, it's a pleasure to meet you. So, and, you know, nice guy. And then he's like, yeah, I'm Frank DeSoma, POF. I was like, oh, I know POF. And that's how we met, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. So I, and I was like, what? The guy from POF? How does he even know me? So I don't know what craziness that I did that you saw, but... Well, well, I'm glad I'm glad you saw it. <laughs> you're an influencer, and then you cracked me up one time. You had a mohawk. Oh yeah, I do have. I still have a mohawk, but I can't get a haircut. So I mean, I got the mohawk under here, man. But you know, ah, uh, you're still growing too much on the sides now, yeah. buddy. <laughs> yeah, well, because I mean, I, my the barber, my barber's not allowed to cut hair. Apparently, <laughs> you know, it's crazy right now, man. It's gonna get. It's going to get really bad in America. There's going to be a lot of hairy people walking around. Oh, God. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, I mean, I love going there because I love seeing what people dream up and mm -hmm. come up. Because yeah. it's the same type of thing. Building a gun, creating different things. It's you're freedom. Make, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're trying as expression, too. Art's an expression, right? Mm -hmm. And it's to the eyes of the beholder what they view or how they view it. Mm -hmm. So... You can make stuff look really badass, but it could be just a turd sitting there that can't perform. When you go to SEMA, a lot of that stuff looks badass, but boy, they they kick ass because they have the latest technology. It could be something old. So 
I driving around in my daily drivers, a 1957 Chevy 4x4, and it's a 3,100 pickup truck. Oh, wow. Okay. It's got a 502 big block, fuel injected. Mm-hmm. You, you, you built that up yourself, I'm assuming. Well, with a friend and fabricating. Oh, but cool. Yeah. I, I don't turn the wrenches as much like I used to, that's for damn sure. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But um, building that was, was fun and I like driving it because I can go buy a new truck like you or I or anyone can. But, mm-hmm. you know, driving some of that old school stuff and having the latest technology where it has air conditioning, fuel injection, mm-hmm. four-wheel disc brakes, yeah, automatic. Resto modded. Resto mods. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. And I love it. And mm-hmm. I go to the cruises or Good Guys Show or any of those things. Mm-hmm. We have POF Jeep here that's got a small block fuel injected and it moves really fast. Mm-hmm. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. And I've been driving that lately because the weather's absolutely beautiful out okay. now. Are there so machine I, guns on that thing? I can put them on, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you got some mounts on I can mount them. Yeah. Yeah. So, There's stuff with me everywhere I go. You can count on that. Absolutely. So your so your favorite cars are like uh, American muscle cars, 50s, 60s, 70s yeah. type of deal? Yeah. 50s, 60s, 70s. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I like the new stuff if it's done nice or whatever. Mm-hmm. But see, but it's all about how do you fabricate stuff. Mm-hmm. How's that different than a gun? It really is not. No. All I think we did is bred new life into what Eugene Stoner does. I got to give homage to him because if it wasn't for him and his creativity, I wouldn't be here today talking to you. And who knows? I mean, it's America's rifle. I don't call it Armalite or an automatic rifle. Mm -hmm. I call the AR America's rifle, Mm -hmm. and it truly is. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at all the influencers like you, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There's other people that the bulk of what we're talking is hobbyists, just like cars, right? Mm-hmm. Car clubs or whatever, mm-hmm. bike clubs, motorcycles. There's a gun culture, too. Yeah, and absolutely. All of us want to be associated with something. So being in Arizona has been a great thing for us and beating the living shit out of product, running at full auto and being in the heat mm-hmm. and dirt. Mm-hmm. And I run a tremendous amount of wolf ammo. Okay. You know? Tell me a, a full auto 5.56 that's outlasted the, the P416 on meltdown tests. Look at Iraq veteran, uh, 88 yeah. Eric. Yeah. I don't think anyone surpassed what we've done so far. No, that was an iconic video. That was an iconic video. I mean, I think Eric eventually was like, yeah, okay, I had enough of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if we shot it with Steelcase Wolf. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I wanted shot with Steelcase Wolf. To give a, the AR a disadvantage mm-hmm. because you hear so much talk about the AKs being such a great platform. You know, it's the, mm-hmm. the, the ultimate assault rifle. It's the most prolific, but I think Stoner's design with some upgrades by us, mm-hmm. I think we surpassed it big time. Awesome. Lighter, cleaner, cooler, and outperforms it. Yeah, awesome. Really- forms it yeah so. we should get we should get into some of this because i see lots of people asking questions um about this and i'm gonna re- let me remind everyone smash the thumbs ups share the video we got frank Desoma here pof patriot ordnance factory here i know there's lots of people like shouting you out right now um i'll try to take a couple of things here i'm trying to like do this in some kind of order um so you started the you started pof in 2002 i think you said 
Yep, in 2002, we incorporated. In 2004, we were at the SHOT Show, and then we had our first piston-driven AR-15. So I'll give you some insight in that. We were making handguards prior to, but in the interim, I was selling handguards because we were still working on the piston gun Mm -hmm. in the background. Mm -hmm. Um, I received a letter from Colt, like many other manufacturers did, about trademarks and trade names. So if you look at my first rail, it was called a P4. Okay. He said I named it a P4 because I couldn't call it an M4 handguard, right? And Mm -hmm. the Picatinny rails were new, just coming out. And we had a four-sided Picatinny rail. Um, but we couldn't call it an M4, right, an M4 handguard, because then I would have Colt. And I'm a new company starting out in my garage. Yeah, you don't want to get sued. You don't want to get sued. Yeah, I was going to ask you, where did you start out? Did you get, like I was going to say, did you get a big factory or did you start in the garage? You started in the garage. <laughs> so let okay. me tell you, when I was 21, I, you know, through the years, I purchased rental homes mm-hmm. from HUD. I'd rebuilt them and sold them. And I finally sold my last rental home that I had. And I asked my wife at that time, I said, hey, can I take 25 grand of it and try something? And she thought I was just going to piss it away. But of course, she said, yes. I mean, we dealt with a rental house for decades and it was a pain in the ass. So mm-hmm. she said, "Go, you know, go knock yourself out. So I used that money and we worked out of our garage and I played with this. I didn't know. But that's the greatness of America. The greatness of America, the most exciting thing is our individual right of choice. We can fail or we can succeed. Mm-hmm. Even I look at President Trump. He didn't he didn't make everything turn into gold. He's mm-hmm. failed several times too. Yeah, we all but, do. We all fail. I mean, the thing is getting up and, and trying going for it again and again and again. Bingo. Yeah. And that's the greatness of America and mm-hmm. our freedoms and liberties. We have the opportunity to even try mm-hmm. to try that, you know, mm-hmm. and we have also the blessings of other Americans like you and I mm-hmm. that gave us opportunities and said, hey, what's this idiot Frank doing? Frank to yeah, someone. I'll try up. this thing out. <laughs> yeah, you know, they what gave was- us an opportunity. That's how we exist. We exist because the early people that looked at what we were doing were obviously intrigued enough and they had the freedom to do what they wanted with their monies that they worked hard for mm-hmm. and they chose to give us an opportunity mm-hmm. and thank you to all of them because for those reasons we exist and we exist today because of customers absolutely and you and and the reason why the customers um, come back to you again and again is because you, you're you're building excellence right I don't know you know that's I, what- I, that's what our goal is, is to never never be complacent and continually push the envelope and not not try to be mean, too. I mean, the problem, like a resto mod, right? Mm-hmm. You're looking at an old car, right? Mm-hmm. They all kind of look the same until you open that hood and see the wiring and the performance engine in there and under underneath the suspension and brakes. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like what we did with our firearms, too. But to get back to when I was saying, mm-hmm. we, we did the P4, right? The P4 hangar. That was for a carbine, right? All mm-hmm. the M4. Mm-hmm. Eventually, when we did our piston gun, I couldn't call it an AR-15 or an M16. So I called, <laughs> it, I called it the P4. Mm-hmm. 
15, the P4 rail, mm-hmm. 15 for semi-auto, mm-hmm. P4 rail doing a full auto, P4, 16 for the M16 full auto. Mm-hmm. So that's how I came up with the nomenclature for our products. So in 2004, we were the first piston driven that was being sold commercially on the market. Now, at that same time, there was a famous company doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. They didn't bring it to the market, but they were pushing it to the military called HK, right? Right, Eckler. right, right. HK, they, yeah. They had a product called the M4 Enhanced with plastic handguards, and it was a piston-driven you know, AR or M16 because they were doing full auto too, mm-hmm. um, but they called it the M4 Enhanced. Well, guess what? They got into a lawsuit with Colt, and not only that, and why I know about it intimately, Bushmaster was also pulled into the lawsuit, too. Mm-hmm. Um, a year and a half later, by the second SHOT Show called 2006, HK came out with the 416. We were already calling our gun the P416. Uh-oh. It was already done, but, yeah. you know, I'm nobody, a no-name or whatever. So you didn't decide to sue them. You didn't get into the suing no. game. No, what okay. am I going to do? We're still yeah. in the garage. Yeah. Probably a lot of people think we're stealing stuff. I have all the proof. You can go to the Wayback yeah. Machine. But listen, I so first of all, HK makes cool guns without a doubt. Can't even, like, debate that, right? HK makes cool yeah. guns. But they don't like civilians. <laughs> They only well, believe they only they only want the military contracts. Yeah, well, yeah. that's why that's why all the foreign companies are here because mm-hmm. they they can't even sell their wares to their own people in their mm-hmm. own country, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But that's that's how it's played out here because everyone from around the world is selling their wares here mm-hmm. in this country. Why? Because of freedom, mm-hmm. our individual right of choice. And we happen to have the right to bear arms. And that's why all these companies are here selling their wares, because they would not survive on selling it to their own country. No. And, they don't. And, yeah. In Germany and all that kind of stuff, HK would have a tough time. So, you know, they'd be making they, AKs. They'd have to make AKs to sell stuff the rest of, <laughs> around the rest so, of the world, which they kind of do. In 2006, the only piston guns at the SHOT Show were for AR style type guns and M16 style guns was HK with their new 416 and POF was there. Mm -hmm. 2017 LWRC rolled into the game. Um, But, but HK changed their name and got out of the lawsuit. They did a a settlement with Colt and they changed the name and moved on. Bushmaster never did. And they fought it to the end and actually won. And why would that be? Because every gun, every receiver there's nomenclature. You know exactly who man, who's the manufacturer of that product, the name of it, or whatever. There's not false advertising here. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what the you know the the judge and the the court case ended up doing was, hey, the nomenclature's right there. There's no misrepresentation of what company it is. Okay. So, so anyways, that's a little story. But we went from that in 2007. We brought out the P308. So that was our first piston-driven 308, like the AR-10 style gun, and that was our biggest, best-selling gun. The bread and butter maker of, of Patriot Ordnance Factory was our 308s for the longest of times. Mm-hmm. One can fight over the little 556 five, all they want, but when it came to the big powerhouse, the real battle rifle, or 
having a cartridge that you can actually really go hunting for every North American game in the country, mm-hmm. 308 does that. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you know, 6.5 Creedmoor came out. Right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, 308 was, even when I started doing stuff in the gun world here, when I got into this, 308 was the thing, right? Knockdown. It's like 308 and 1911s. Yep. You know, and it um, still it still has it. I mean, mm-hmm. the biggest selling cartridge in our country right now is a nine millimeter, mm-hmm. five five six number two. Believe it or not, okay. I think I think the seven six two three oh eight is like number six. Okay, so it's still extreme popular cartridge. I think the forty five is number four. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. 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 So still a big following of mm-hmm. of the thumpers, right? Yeah. So. But, you know, we have all these new cartridges, and 243's always been out there, mm-hmm. which is a good hunting cartridge, doesn't kick much. Mm-hmm. The 260's been out there, but it's hard to find it, and the 6.5 Creedmoor is really accelerated. It's a really good, accurate hunting round and an accurate gun for mm-hmm. people playing PRS, even like the 6mm Creedmoor. Those could fit all in our 308 platform. But the P308, and then we brought out ambidextrous features. We did drop-in trigger groups over the years. We, in fact, the drop-in trigger, we worked with Timony and developed it. Oh, cool. Okay. Timony was like five miles away from our factory. And when you're assembling something, there's seven different parts that go in the thing. And I wanted a cassette that just dropped in. You push the pins, tighten them up, you're done. Mm-hmm. I something simple that was tested outside the gun you know outside the receiver because everything's black all these parts the receiver's black and all the parts are black Some it's just bling hard. Bling. well it's hard to see everything yeah, <laughs> yeah. And i was an idiot that would put a hammer spring in backwards it would pass tests mm-hmm. you know cycle tests mm-hmm. but after couple hundred rounds you start having like primer strikes mm-hmm. well i was the idiot that installed it backwards oh. right <laughs> and you gotta okay. bring it in you gotta mm-hmm. repair it correctly or whatever mm-hmm. how do you prevent that well you build something outside and you do the testing outside and then put it installed in the gun you yeah. make it quick mm-hmm. because as a process engineer that's your job how do you build something quicker faster more efficient retain the quality at always in every step of the process throughout the whole process till it's done. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's what process engineers do. You find ways of making stuff more efficient. And it's not just about dollars all the time. It's about time. Mm-hmm. Time is money. So if I could do it quicker, faster, more efficient, and I'm repetitively the same from person to person because it's easy to train them. Mm-hmm. So you can expand upon assemblies. I'll give you an example. Early on, I was close friends with Steve Troy, right? Troy mm-hmm. Industry. Mm-hmm. He made a rail system. Marty Daniels, he makes a rail system. Mm-hmm. I tried their rail systems because, you know, hey, they're pretty known in the industry and I'm building a gun. I'll put it on. Well, there's a couple problems. Number one, it was took quite a little bit of time, especially like Marty's with those opposing screws. Mm-hmm. I could do it in about 15 minutes. Well, what if I told you we install our handguards consistently in two minutes? Yeah, that means you can uh, you can do a lot so, more. You can do like seven at the same time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. How many, how many do I get done mm-hmm. in an hour's time? Mm-hmm. 
And how many people does it take to keep up to what we do with one person in an yeah. hour? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's all multiplying. <clears throat> you need workspace. You need more manpower. Mm-hmm. So we run lean and mean, and we're extremely efficient because of processes that we put in. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is trade dress. If I put someone else's product on mine, well, then it's not a POF because half that gun is the rail system, isn't it? Uh, yeah. If, if I have a Daniels on the, defense. On the outside, the look of it, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If I have a Daniels defense rail on my gun, people are going to start associating it as a Daniels defense rifle. Right. When it's not. Mm-hmm. So I made choices early on to make our own product and to look for ways how to assemble it more efficiently. We also have a heat sink barrel nut because we have plenty of patents. Mm-hmm. We did an aluminum and have a lot of surface area for dissipating heat. And that's part of our assembly. It's a three inch aluminum barrel nut. Mm-hmm. Aluminum's eighteen times seventeen, eighteen times more efficient at radiating heat. And if you have thirty to forty inches of surface area, well what does that mean, Hank? Well, it means nothing until you understand that the mil spec steel barrel nut is about nine inches of surface area. Okay, so so you can't dissipate it over more area. Yeah, yeah. Do you mm-hmm. have a steel radiator in your vehicle? No, because no. it's not good at radiating yeah. heat. Mm-hmm. So you think of an AK; it's all steel. What it holds that heat. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing Stoner did when he went to lightweight materials that were strong mm-hmm. because. He what was Armalite? Armalite was a subdivision of Fairchild Aerospace. Mm-hmm. They were an aerospace company, so they were dealing with aircraft things. So they were looking for strong, lightweight materials so you don't have all this weight up in the sky and need tremendous amount of horsepower, even more than what was available at the mm-hmm. time, knowledge mm-hmm. and building. Mm-hmm. So take the airframe as light as you can and as strong as you can where it had the horsepower of those days where it could get it moving to where you had enough thrust for flight. Mm-hmm. It's no different. He used the same type of materials and put them in the firearms. So if we go back into the time frame, could you imagine poor Eugene Stoner going on to a Marine Corps shooting range and an old drill sergeant there looking at that that AR-10 that AR <laughs> Or his M16 and saying, "Get son, get that stupid-ass Mattel toy off my goddamn range right now. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't want to look at it. A man's gun was what? A yeah, steel, steel. steel yeah. A steel barrel. A wood stock, you know. All nice that. and that heavy. Gun. Yes. Make a good club. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, hey, what with them? Mm-hmm. I mean, think of the M1 Garand. You know, mm-hmm. it was a heavy gun. It still works today. It was piston-driven, too, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. An M1 carbine was the little lightweight carbine, piston-driven, too. And then you still have today, which is still used in the military. I don't know at how much or how heavy it's used, but the M14, mm-hmm. right? The M1A. Classic, beautiful gun. Heavy gun, right? Mm-hmm. Steel receiver, steel barrel, wooden stocks. Mm-hmm. So, so let me ask you this while we're while we're on this subject. So how come, like when we have these discussions, I think the AR, there's probably more ARs out there than anything. But I guarantee you someone will argue with me and say, oh, there's more AKs, there's more this or that. Um, I think maybe in, in America we could definitely win the argument that there's more ARs. How come it doesn't get like the same respect, you know, 
it, it like why why is something like the AK more respected? <laughs> because you know? it's prolific around the world. You had communist nations mm-hmm. and their people as slaves just pump stuff out. Mm-hmm. China pumped them out. Russia's been pumping them out over the years and then selling them to all these different countries around the world. And they pushed it. You have communist or socialist countries around the world. I mean, socialism is a joke to me. It's communism. You're just trying to put a softer touch on the name. When you dictate to the people what they're going to do and they follow it or they end up in jail or prison. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think over time, like, uh, you know, and I'm not trying to knock the AK or anything like that. I just think that, um, I mean, the, the, the plot, the AR platform has come a long way. There's lots of different iterations of it. Yeah. Uh, but for some reason, it doesn't just, maybe it's just so prolific that it doesn't seem sexy. You know? Well, it's prolific when people can buy parts kits, big, huge, you know, companies that import a bunch of surplus stuff over the years. They were buying these surplus guns for five, six, eight, nine, ten dollars a whack mm-hmm. from memories. They would cut the receivers up and bring all the parts in. Mm-hmm. As I mean, literally, that's what these companies how they made money. Mm-hmm bringing stuff in they even did it with the fals they did it with the you know the g3s Mm -hmm. stuff like that you had parts kits flooding into this country which you had a lot of people in a garage or whatever Mm -hmm. tinkering and playing with that Mm -hmm. so i mean i can't complain about it because you know some of my thoughts were i was rebuilding a foul with my son in the garage Mm -hmm. I was looking at that piston driven and said, holy shit, that's what the M16 needs. Mm-hmm. The Air 15 M16 that all my friends carried, and I was a guy that had a, a G3, you know, or mm-hmm. an HK91 shooting semi-auto, mm-hmm. and I had a clock, you know, instead mm-hmm. of a 1911, but all my friends... Oh, okay, were, yeah, we can give you some props for that, yeah. <laughs> I was the oddball, right? <laughs> all my friends had, you know, 1911s. Mm-hmm. And you know AR-15s. Right. Do you have a Gen One Glock? Oh yes. Oh, nice. nice. Back, that was the one that had to get repaired, and they enticed you to send it in because the trigger had issues. Mm-hmm. But they would give you the night sights, right? Mm-hmm. The the sights that you can shoot at night. So, mm-hmm. so I did that. But yeah, I was okay. one of the first shipments that came into the states. Oh, okay. And I bought it because I was at an indoor range that had an open house and I shot and I shot a really good group with it. You mm-hmm. know, people laughed cause it was a plastic gun, but it worked for me. So, mm-hmm. and look today, decades later, everyone's emulating what Glock created. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just looking for the next step above that, you know? Mm-hmm. So look what Eugene Stoner did has done and look how much it's, transformed our industry and what he's created over the years until he left us, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You could say that for the Eastern Bloc with Kalishnikov too, but if you go design by design, Mm -hmm. you can look at it. Well, it all starts with the cartridge. Kalishnikov's, the AK, doesn't even have a feed ramp because the geometry... It boils down to that peg set, right? As we played with kids, the geometry mm-hmm. set, with shapes, you had to match them. Mm-hmm. The AK is tapered like a cone. Okay. So 
goes right from the magazine right into the barrel. It doesn't need a feed ramp like Eugene Stoner. Mm -hmm. So just talking mechanical design, Kalashnikov's tapered cartridge helped feed more efficiently. Mm -hmm. You didn't need a feed ramp, a mechanical feed ramp being put into it. Stoner did. Mm -hmm. Stoner, you know, and the bolt, you can talk the Kalashnikov bolt is so much larger, but look how much smaller the design was of Stoner. Look how much lighter it was. Look how much more efficiently it dissipated heat than Kalashnikov holding all that weight, heat that soak, because steel is very slow at dissipating heat. Mm -hmm. And look what, you know, Stoner's design with aluminum, so it dissipated. And Stoner's design shot accurate. So... That was the result, but if you go by mechanical design, step by step and compare, you may come up with one point that that Kalishnikov would beat him on and it would say, hey, they don't need a feed ramp because how tapered the cartridge is. Mm -hmm. They had to install a feed ramp here. Mm -hmm. But the reality is when they run, because that's all that matters at the end of the day. It's like me. I would never build a bullpup design. Oh, boy. You had to go there. No bullpups well, for you? I'm a no. bullpup fan, by the way, I have to say. Full, okay. full disclosure. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> why? Yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> go Catastrophic ahead. failure. Okay. So when you talk about those designs, Stoner and Kalishnikov, mm-hmm. you know, and you could talk about the elements and why a, a design is better than the others. Mm-hmm. The same thing you could say with a bullpup. Hey, it's a better design. It's more compact, and I got a longer barrel for higher velocity. Mm-hmm. Except here's a problem. Have you ever seen an AR-15 or M-16 blow up from a 300 blackout cartridge being put in it? I've seen the pictures. Thankfully, I haven't done it myself. It's pretty violent. Yeah. You know, there's a blessing because mm-hmm. everyone worries about their eyes. Always wear safety gear, right? Hearing mm-hmm. and eye protection. Do you go to, when you shoot your gun, do you put a a plate around your neck to protect your juggler? No. <laughs> okay. Most people don't. Mm-hmm. They don't have ballistic, you know, mm-hmm. body armor around their neck. Right. So if a gun lets go on an M16 design, right? You're about 12 inches away from where the bolt and its lockup is, mm-hmm. sitting back the way you are. Mm-hmm. When you have a bullpup design and have a catastrophic failure, where's that bolt and its lockup? It's going to be close to your face, to your, you know, yeah, your, your decolletage. Your cheek's de- <laughs> so sitting right on it. Yeah. So when it lets go, everyone's worried about their eyes. What about down here? What's on your neck? Yeah. What protects that? How many? Because how many of those kinds? Of, how many of those kinds of failures have we seen in bullpups? I don't know, oh, but okay. if they make three hundred blackout mm-hmm. bullpup, you're going to see a whole lot more because mm-hmm. when when we introduce the three hundred blackout, and the only thing that prevents it from chambering in an AR of two two three five five six chamber mm-hmm. is Projectile. Have you ever seen a projectile push in the case on mm-hmm. a bad feed, you know, a misfeed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they press them into the case. Mm-hmm. And then that projectile, it's a controlled explosion that's held within the chamber and the projectile goes down the barrel. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you have an explosion because you have an explosion goes off and you plug a, a 224 diameter hole with a 308, a .308 plug... The gas has got to go somewhere. Yeah. 
I think, and you know, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm asking this genuinely. Like, you build the guns. I'm a fan of bullpups and stuff like that. I like the design. I have several bullpups. I have a Tavor. I have an X95, all kinds of different stuff. I've never run into that issue. I've even, like, done training and things like that, trained over a couple of days, um, and I haven't run into that. I do understand what you're saying. You, you could have a situation where you load the wrong ammo and something like that happens. Um, I think that most of the, because of the nature of that, you've got more support in those areas where something could go wrong, right? I think in physics, like it, or, it always or, seeks the point of least resistance, from my or understanding. Or is it more plastic in those areas? Um, you know what? I, that's, it's a good question. It's a good question. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Because the AR platform, ever since they introduced the 300 blackout, mm -hmm. There's been a tremendous more guns have blown up because people have mixed up by accident mm -hmm. that happening. And when you see a firearm that blows up from that, it rips the sides of the receivers apart. Mm. I mean, it's pretty bad when things go. So yeah. catastrophic failure is the reason we will never build a bullpup. Mm -hmm. It's not that the design is real cool. Mm -hmm. It's not that it makes it more compact. Mm -hmm. Oh, and it allows you to have more velocity mm -hmm. with, with a shorter package because you got a longer barrel. The problem I have is everything that can fail can and will. Yeah, it's just uh, oh, absolutely, yeah. It's did you guys win. did you guys do any study of this, or you just decided like, hey, that's not a path that we're going to go down? Well, we looked at because when you look at failures, mm -hmm. you look at a broad term in in all designs. Okay. Okay. If you're seeing failures like this, and you could purposely blow up a gun if you want to and mm -hmm. see how it reacts, mm -hmm. put pistol powder in it and a cartridge and see what happens. Yeah. I've seen, okay, so I have seen situations, for example, um, what was it? There, I think the uh, Caltech uh, RFB, we've seen that like, um, so for example, you can adjust, you can adjust that if you're putting on a suppressor. Right, yeah. but um, if you if you adjust it wrong, and then you shoot that thing in the wrong setting, you can blow the back out of it. Usually, pressure seeks the point of least resistance. So I've seen that kind of thing happen, and uh, the backs of them go out, which didn't hurt anyone. But I would like to, I would just just for the for the sake of the curiosity and seeing how these different things fails, I would love to see that. You know, I would like I love to see that kind of study, that kind of data. I think. Because no one talks, no one talks about that, and right. those are real things. Everything mm -hmm. that's mechanical in this world can and will fail. Mm -hmm. Like humans, we make mistakes and we fail at times mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. So if you have a mechanical item, and guess what, guys? Everyone wants to blame the firearm all the time. Mm -hmm. If you make hundreds of millions of rounds and have like a, a ninety-nine point nine percent quality rating that's pretty freaking good iso rating <laughs> yeah. and you get a million rounds that's like around fifty thousand potential problems yeah so that someone uh someone here yule adams i'm going to try to get some questions from people but he says do something like chris make a new system of action obviously chris he's talking about chris vector so yeah. so you're, you're saying you wouldn't go in the bullpup direction um what what kind of stuff are you guys thinking about if you could talk about that like future direction do you think it's just going to be a derivative of basically still, what's there I now I still like the stoner design. Okay. I still like how it puts together, how it assembles quickly. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, I don't want to give it so easy like it's Legos. Mm -hmm. um, 
maybe having it to where it doesn't need a buffer in the back where you do side folding or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Or I don't know if side folders, the answer, but I do know this in any mechanical design, mm -hmm. when you have quick release barrels or whatever you want to do, mm -hmm. if you want a side folder or a collapsible stock or something like that, mm -hmm. all these things we discuss to have something that's repeatable and durable mm -hmm. and reliable adds weight. Yeah. So you can take your barrel off. How much more, more to the mechanism that it adds? So I'll give you an example. Oh, we're in the military. We got to have a quick release barrel. Mm -hmm. We got to be able to go from a 10 and a half inch barrel and go to our 24 because I'm going to be a sniper in the high. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's no problem. You know who did the best design ever? Who? Eugene Stoner, those two push. <laughs> okay. Prove to me how how you're gonna shoot because I got a quick change barrel and mm -hmm. I change a ten inch and a half inch barrel and I put a twenty four inch. Mm -hmm. What's my zero? My velocity change, right? Mm -hmm. Did it shift? Because I got this barrel coming in and out. Mm -hmm. Did my point of impact change? Mm -hmm. Because the more you take it in and out, things wear. Yeah. It's no. an interesting concept. I mean, I guess oh, we haven't got to the big issue. Okay, I'm not doing an entry with a 20 power scope or a 25 power scope. I'm with a dot sight. Mm -hmm. So what do I do now? Do I throw my scope on this and or do I shoot with my dot sight at 860 <laughs> yards out with 15 mile right. an hour wind east yeah. and you know yeah. Kentucky windage? Yeah. I think I think one of the problems there is the the um, the thing that we have of trying to make everything into one, right? It's like cars. Sometimes you need a pickup truck, you know. Sometimes you need some kind of you need a muscle car. So there's different there's different uses for different things, right? Yeah, yeah. there is. And sometimes but that's the best solution. Put down one gun, pick up another one. Okay, mm -hmm. it may be. Mm -hmm. Or what can you have something as a category? Can you do something for an urban environment and own the 600 yards? And then when you're out in the mountains, you want to shoot to a mile, mm -hmm. get the 338. Mm -hmm. So I'll say, okay, I, you know, I was talking about a bullpup design. Do you know how much pressure is on the bolt on ignition for a 338? It's over 17,000 PSI. Okay. If those plugs break, that bolt is going right through your shoulder. Mm -hmm. It is going to punch right through you. Mm -hmm. That's why <laughs> I don't like bullpup designs because mm -hmm. what happens there. So anyways, mm -hmm. but when you're talking in two different elements, you're talking an urban element and you're talking uh, a rural out in the mountains, out in the opening. There's two different types, of course. That little nine millimeter sub gun's not going to do good from mountaintop to mountaintop. You yeah. need something that reaches out and touches someone, mm -hmm. large caliber. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what if you could build one platform in an urban environment that can own 600 yards, even push out to 750 if needed, mm -hmm. and you could do CQB with it? The same gun? Yeah. What kind same. of gun would that be? Same configuration, same barrel, you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because when you want to change everything, it adds weight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What? What can possibly do that? I don't know. What? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> what can but do that? Wouldn't, that? wouldn't that be, I wouldn't say the holy grail, but that would be a great application for the urban environment. Right. If you make that one. 
mm-hmm. because I've been watching a lot with firearms over the years, mm-hmm. the AR, the MSR type of guns, right? Mm-hmm. America's right. Mm-hmm. You know, MP5 is the most famous sub gun ever made. Mm-hmm. Hands down to them. Mm-hmm. I still haven't seen a product that goes a half million rounds like them and still run and run and run. Mm-hmm. So they've owned that crown for quite some time. Okay. It's nine millimeter. What do I do at a distance, or how does that work with vehicles and stuff like this? Mm-hmm. So the 300 blackout was created, I believe, to handle more of the law enforcement. Number one, like you said, HK, their service isn't the best, and they weren't. They weren't supporting those MP5s. Law enforcement needed an alternative. Hey, you made a 300 blackout that shoots subsonic ammo really good a big heavy bullet um performs pretty much the same but mm-hmm. you have a lightweight platform right a mm-hmm. short barrel lightweight ar mm-hmm. you can that, suppress it easy like you said right? and everyone can manipulate and handle really quick and fast mm-hmm. and tell me one platform that's quicker and getting back in the fight than the ar design that stoner did mm-hmm. with all his manipulation of mag releases bolt releases and trigger, not even talking about enhancements like the stuff we did with ambidextrous features. Mm-hmm. Just the standard skill. I own an MP5 full auto mm-hmm. transferable. I would go to subgun matches, and every time there was someone like an officer that had a, a Colt 9mm, he would clean my clock. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because as soon as that gun runs out of ammo, you got to... Use a hand, take the mag out, get the mag in it, go up, rack it, and mm-hmm. release. You know ARs. You yeah, drop yeah. The yeah, versus every- just drop the mag, put another one in, close the boat. Go up, yeah. and you're mm-hmm. back in the fight in seconds. Mm-hmm. Stoner did a really quick thing, and ambidextrous features make it even more fluid if you train on it. Okay. So, so, so how do we, like, what I'm trying to get, I mean, I don't know if you're alluding to something. That you're coming out with, or something that's already out. I'm well, a, it's I'm already a, out. Yeah. So, in the, course, mm-hmm. in the course of building things over the year, mm-hmm. in the course of failing at a lot of things, mm-hmm. you learn through failure. Okay. Especially if you're a process engineer, you you all all data is important. Good data and failed data. Mm-hmm. All it's good because it helps you learn and mm-hmm. understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. So. At the end of the day, the reality was, how do you make something better? To me, Mm -hmm. I've watched the industry for easy decade, trying to make the AR-15 M16 be more than what it is. Mm -hmm. Always coming up with a cartridge to try to be like the battle rifle 7.62 by 51. We had a 6.8, right? Mm Mm-hmm. 6.8 6.8 SPC. Well, we're about 70% of what the what the um, 7.62 by 51 308 does. Mm-hmm. But it fits in the AR. You have a 6.5 Grandel. Hey, I can shoot distances. Hey, Bill Alexander, when you came up with it, you're pushing me to do it, and the only available ammo wouldn't shoot half MOA, but all your hand loads did that no one could buy. Mm-hmm. So why do you sell a product until you see recently like Hornady building it where you have good accurate ammo. The whole problem with that gun was it was plagued too with bolt issues. 
You had 762 by 39 even in ARs, right? Mm -hmm. The problem with our military from the 60s when we adapted the M16 and even law enforcement, including up to today, we are overmatched by our adversaries, mm -hmm. period. And that they always have a bigger, badder cartridge. Mm -hmm. We kick ass as Americans, American patriots. Why? Because of love of nation. There's nothing better and greater than people that volunteer for a love of nation and a love of freedom that you'll that overcomes all adversaries, period ended. Mm -hmm. And when we're fighting it with a deficiency because we're overmatched, being that we have smaller cartridges going into a fight, but where we kick ass is what I said earlier, communications and skill set. We kick ass there. But unfortunately, this country goes around and trying to help a bunch of shitbags around the world that turn on us over time. Mm -hmm. So they start learning our tactics. They start learning how we communicate. So to me, all I care about is America first. Mm -hmm. And I want our people to own whatever. So if you can do what all these different cartridges trying to be like with the AR or M16, I mean, look, you got even today a 300 blackout. Well, it shoots a 30 caliber bullet. Okay. okay. So are we well, talking about the Rogue here? We're talking about the Rogue? Is that, is that the Revolution was the start of it. Okay. It was a combination okay. of all the years working, and mm -hmm. that's what we did. We literally engineered an M16 AR-15 AR receiver mm -hmm. up lower to, to shoot 7.62 by 51. Obviously, we have a 308 Magwell. Mm -hmm. That's what's different on the lower. The upper receiver has a larger trap door, but I could still shoot a smaller AR-15, you know, 223 cartridge out of the larger ejection port, mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. and, and why would I want to make those guns 5.56 five, if I'm already shooting 308? It doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. I use the same barrel nut, the same gas block, the same rail, the same M16 charging handle, the same bolt carrier, roller cam pin, cotter key. All you do is change the bolt and firing pin. Okay. And I make that gun shoot 308. That's why we are lighter than every single gun in, in the planet when it comes to the 7.62 by 51. I'm not using unobtainium materials or or materials other than full strength stuff. I don't have carbon fiber. I don't have lithium. Right. I don't have magnesium. You're not I using pencil barrels, I don't think, right? Oh, and okay. I don't have titanium. Mm -hmm. So our first walk in the park was the piston-driven revolution came out in 2017 mm -hmm. and that was 7.3 pounds for the 16 and a half mm -hmm. the 12 and a half um inch barreled gun was 6.7 pounds six and three quarter pounds mm -hmm. you know 2019 we brought out the di version mm -hmm. with a flat top over and without the backbone in it with a regulated mm -hmm. gas block the 16 and a half inch, and we're all talking now, so everyone's on the same page. When I'm saying 16 and a half inch, it's a 15 inch rail rifle length gas block position. So I'm making the barrel and, and as heavy as it can be, and that position is 7.3 pounds for a 308 in an AR 15 chassis, mm -hmm. period. And 
This isn't a small frame. This isn't an Air 10. It is literally an M16 Air 15 platform that shoots 308. Great marketing by DPMS two years after the fact. All they did was knock off the Colt 901. Mm -hmm. The Colt 901 came out two years earlier at SHOT Show, and they never advertised that they made a smaller receiver set. So the small receiver, like you're saying, short action, long action, the short action or the small receiver, small frame receiver is the M16. The large one is the AR-10, and I'll give you an actual number. The AR-10 is an inch and a half longer than the M16. Okay. That means the carrier. The diameter of the carrier is a lot bigger, too, and heavier. Mm-hmm. The, the Colt 901, the DPMS G2, is a half inch shorter than the AR-10. Mm-hmm. Where's the, the M16 AR15 and now the Revolution and Rogue that Patriot Ordnance Factory engineered is still an inch shorter than the Colt 901 or the G2 or anyone that's gone yeah. off. The and I think that's of- like six pounds or something like that, right? Let me see. Yeah. So the the 16 and a half inch Revolution with a rifle length gas block is 6.8 pounds. Mm-hmm. The 12 and a half inch pistol. With the brace on it, mm-hmm. 6.32 pounds. It's lighter than an MP5 with a retractable so, stop. Okay, so how are you doing it? How are you doing it? I just told you. Mm-hmm. We engineered an AR-15 that shoots right. 308. Right, right, right. It has the same size diameter bolt and barrel extension. But it, can, can, it can handle it, the same levels of pressure Stress, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Because we upgraded through destructive testing. Okay. You know, talking why I wouldn't do a bullpup design. Mm-hmm. We do destructive testing. Mm-hmm. Like you should do in engineering. Right. And right. we found the metal, which I'm not going to say, but. That's I the secret sauce. It, I consider it a super alloy and how it performs, okay. it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So I see people on the internet, different manufacturers, where they throw out. 9310 bolt being a super alloy. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something there, correct you. Because it all goes back to when I was building triggers. Mm-hmm. 9310 or S7, S7 is a material. And it's a hammering material. It's really good for punching and stuff. Mm-hmm. The problem with S7 material, it's kind of like the like the Titanic. That Reliable that was on the market in S7, mm-hmm. when it first came out, they were having issues when it got real cold, like zero temperature. Because mm-hmm. you do destructive testing and you do a Sharpie test. A Sharpie test, mil spec specifications from the military is room temperature, and the next test is minus 40 degrees. Hmm. It's got to withstand and hold up. Material metals transition. So when the Titanic was built and engineered, it was already the ship of death. Okay, because they they, they didn't cold. they didn't do that kind of testing to see what it would do in those when cold they, waters. Okay. Yep, when they shipped in the cold waters and hit and breached, they could never stop the leak. That's why it sank. Mm-hmm. They couldn't stop the leak because the metal transitioned and it became extremely brittle and it snaps cleanly. So 
at one time with the craze and buying because of fear, you know, with our politicians, again, wanting to take away our ARs at one time because it's an evil rifle. Mm-hmm. It does nothing. It's an inanimate object. Mm-hmm. I have 32 cameras in the factory. Mm-hmm. I have yet to see one <laughs> firearm Jump come, up. Out safe, come out of the safe, <laughs> load itself, and go out the door yeah. for the night on town. And go come postal. Back <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So what kind? So other than and I see people asking this question. I know we're having like a real intense. This Frank, by the way, he's intense, um, which is awesome. Sorry. Which is awesome. I love it. So so um, I see some people here. Who is it that asked this? Yule Adams wants to know like what kind of real world uh, testing do you guys do other than the destructive testing in the lab or under like, controlled circumstances? Like just running mag after mag after mag in full auto till it dies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, one time we did a test where we did almost 2,300 rounds in 40, I think it was almost 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. The barrel. We destroyed the barrel, but the platform stayed running. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Literally. And mm-hmm. 308. So how many people do you know do stuff like that? Mm-hmm. You, you, you I don't constantly- think there's – I don't think – so – I know that there's there's manufacturers like yourself, and I'm not trying to like you know, um, there's people that manufacture the way that you do, having coming from a specific background, right, where you understand this stuff. And then there's some people that manufacture stuff and don't actually, you know, they, they don't actually do any kind of testing. You are the tester when you buy that gun. Yeah. yeah. Well. We so, try. Yeah. We're human. We're, we're not perfect. But mm-hmm. I'll go back to what I was saying. Mm-hmm. The, at one time, we had to find material for bolts because Carpenter 158 could not be found. It had a 52-week lead time from the steel mills. Mm-hmm. I had to find an alternative where I could be out of business, right? Mm-hmm. So working with test, you know, metallurgist labs that do destructive testing, I picked 9310. Mm-hmm. And the test results are this. 9310, is it like buying a Fram oil filter or an AC Delco oil filter? Mm-hmm. A Fram air cleaner or an AC, Del- AC Delco air filter? It's a cross-reference. But yes, I will say this. 9310 is just over 6% better than Carpenter 158 if you want to talk about strength okay. and duct. And ductility, which is very critical. Okay. Material we're using is over twice that strength. Okay. Over twice the strength and over twice the ductility. It is extremely strong. Mm-hmm. Why did I do that? The same type of test where it's room temperature and minus 40, there was absolutely zero change. And I screwed mm-hmm. up and I'm pissed off about it. I should have went 10 degrees more because mm-hmm. I could look you in the face and tell you that I took this test to three times the limit of the military test. I went to minus 110 degrees. There was one pound difference from room temperature or minus 40. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. That's a super alloy. Hmm. When I took it to that extreme level and it still held up that strong, we have something. Okay. So, and that's so, proprietary hey, to POF, or that's something that's used in other industries, just no one... Used in the aerospace industry, I'll tell you that much. In the aerospace, okay. Because I spent my time mm-hmm. in engineering and doing destructive testing until we found the right material to use. And then from material, it still goes down to geometry. Mm-hmm. How you 
how you do stuff and testing. And if you want to talk testing, make everything full auto. Mm-hmm. Because I'll tell you one thing, when you run guns and hammer them full auto, it's like putting oil in water. All that oil comes to the surface. Mm-hmm. You will find the weak links in your design really quick. Mm-hmm. So, and I can get into other things. Yeah, to I mean, show. I think everything should be full auto anyway, and integrally suppressed, and integrally suppressed. <laughs> what do you think? Right. What do you think about that? Do you think that's something that's going to become a thing? Integrally suppressed? Are you guys even get? You're not. I don't know if you're getting into that. Messed, I haven't even messed with it. Okay. We didn't hear why. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be be beholden to some federal government employee that holds me up mm-hmm. from making revenue. Suppressors are very expensive to the consumer. Mm-hmm. There's not much there, mm-hmm. and they're selling sometimes more than what a gun costs. Mm-hmm. And there's so many more parts in a firearm, so much more material. How can this little tiny suppressor cost so much? Mm-hmm. It's because. The suppressor companies have been turned into the banks from the federal government because you could get a transfer in 30 days or it could be a year plus. You don't know when it's going to happen or how quick. Right. You can get um, you can get caught up. All these people, they build it and they put it in inventory and they transfer it to the dealers and everyone's turned into the bank. And that's why the cost is. So the second that the federal government allows it, to be transferred like a forty-four seventy-three, like buying a regular firearm, mm-hmm. which it should be, mm-hmm. then, then I would think about doing it. But there's some good technologies that are out there right now. But I could tell you the one thing that's missing in all, all these suppressor designs, until lately, there's a couple companies that are trying to do better. Um, the military specs suppressors, mm-hmm. they always talk about flash. And they always talk about sound, right? Mm-hmm. Well, none of them have ever said this because I'm sure you experience putting a suppressor on a gun and all of a sudden the, li- the reliability of that platform goes down. You have to stay on it a lot more, maintain it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Because you're running that gun. So it's basically like you were handed mom's old caprice that she had for 10 years and dad gave you that. You were in high school. Mm-hmm. And it ran great in the family for 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of miles on it because yeah. the family used it for everything. Right. Then you drop and, a supercharger on that bad boy. <laughs> yeah. Or you put a nitrous oxide in it and you and the buddies are out. It's fun. You destroyed the tranny and you got rod knocks and uh-huh. burned oil because you put all this extra horsepower into this old tired motor that wasn't built for it. Yeah. So – when you run a gun as fast as what you're doing, when you do it with back pressure, what they should say, with a pack timer, we will not accept any more than 3%. Maybe to start with, I would give them 5% more of what your firearm operates without a suppressor. Mm-hmm. And if they do that, they've done something because now you reduced the amount of operating speed Mm-hmm. of the platform and you're not beating up the platform. So that suppressor in, hand, in in layman's term should shoot the same distance and time as one without, you know, a firearm without a suppressor, other than it's getting dirtier. Mm-hmm. But with these flow-through designs that are coming out, there's less and less debris in the action. Mm-hmm. Because I look at today's suppressors, the bulk of them, 
It's like you and I driving in my truck and I have the exhaust pipe coming in the side window as we're driving. Why do I want, or if we're in a car and we have the back window open with an exhaust pipe in and now we're breathing it, mm-hmm. why would I want that? Yeah. And, and if everyone didn't run with mufflers per se, we'd sound like NASCAR track on the street, wouldn't we? Mm-hmm. So suppressors would work good if you're not breathing all that garbage. And yeah, if it's pushing it away from you. I mean, that's how a lot of people get lead poisoning. Like yeah. And it reacted more like a muffler. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Just like our vehicles. Mm-hmm. And does that make common sense to you? Yeah. We're doing it on our vehicles. Why can't we do it on our firearms? Yeah. The technology, I mean, there are some people, like you said, kicking it up. Let me, okay. So let me just get to some questions. So if you guys have questions, now is a good time. I'm going to get into some questions. Ask them right now. In the chat, we'll try to get to it here. Uh, by the way, also smash the thumbs ups. Thank you, I appreciate it. Uh, we have Frank DeSoma of Patriot Ordnance Factory here, POF. Um, Rocky Mountain Bear says, "I thought he said they weren't using some super untanium, uh, unobtainium metal." So what you're, I, I guess he's trying to find out what the metal is here. Um, yeah, for our bolt and barrel extension, those are key items. So. That's proprietary, and, right? Yes, yes. But not, but not a, but not an exotic it's, metal. No, it's not an exotic okay. metal. That's so light. Mm-hmm. That's so light. That's in the purpose of trying to make an AR-10 extremely light. We can whittle the, we can whittle receivers away, mm-hmm. slot through them. I mean, how would you like to shoot a suppressor on a gun that has slots through the receiver? through the upper and lower, where it goes into the actions. The greatest design that Stoner did, because if we had Stoner's design during World War One, those firearms would have kicked ass in the trench wars, in the mud and muck, mm-hmm. because you didn't have the action open to the environment. Mm-hmm. You could put a magazine in, chambered around, close the dust door cover, and that rear charging handle that James Sullivan designed which was which he was on Stoner's engineering team. Mm-hmm. He came with that rear charging handle design. So give him kudos for that. Mm-hmm. That action. Tell me one action in the world that keeps debris and the environment outside the action better than what the M16 did. And he, everyone's been emulating that, but they haven't surpassed it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Um let me see here. Hold on a second. I'm trying to get some. Uh, the juice wants to know: Did POF USA scrap the P300 win? I'm probably, most likely, I'm probably not going to come out with the P300. Okay. Um, especially shooting the 300 win mag. It's a belted cartridge. Mm-hmm. Um, have I played with it? Yes. Mm-hmm. But and we were planning on doing it. Mm-hmm. It's just. How many would we actually really sell? Yeah, in and 300. Then have, and then you have to support it because it'll be a more expensive product. Mm-hmm. And then you have to support it for the life of that program. And at the end of the day, if we're not going to sell quantity of it, you got to rethink what you're doing. Unless, you know, you're just going to do a custom one of and then down the road, you just not support it. That's not right. So okay. there's, a, there's a bigger picture to it than just that. You know, so, there's economics. There's economics. Right. 
So you're seeing. So what what are you guys seeing a bigger um, demand for out there? Obviously, you've done a lot. 308s being the big thing. Is six five the next big thing here, or you've already? Are folks already on to it? Huh? Hey, let's talk. Let's talk about when we were fear of the two big gun runs that were before, but they were people like us, right? Mm -hmm. The shooters. Mm-hmm. Now, fear of buying that's going on with this virus mm-hmm. is you know, a lot of people are buying products that never had guns before or mm-hmm. firearm because mm-hmm. they're seeing and sense and fear before mm-hmm. or fear now, mm-hmm. and they're wanting to own firearms to protect their families and their property, which I'm all for. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Every American should have the ability to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. But every one of these turns where things get crazy, Here's something that always stands to be true. You always see 556, 762 by 39, and 762 by 51, 308. The 65 Creedmoor doesn't sell anywhere near. We can sell 10 to 1 with the 308, especially now. Okay. Yeah. Especially now. Why? Mm-hmm. Because you find it more often than not anywhere. So if you got to hunt around for something, you probably, if you ran out of, say, give an example, you have a P90. Mm-hmm. Where do you get parts for that? Yeah, for uh, five seven. <laughs> yeah, we're in Katrina, you and I, and we're in this muck in the middle of nowhere, and you need some. You better have some, all your five seven already stacked up somewhere. <laughs> and if you're out of it, yeah, you got a club on your hands. Yeah, just like parts. How many people have parts you can damn there for the AR platform? It's like a 350 Chevy. You could damn near go to the convenience store, Circle K, and get parts for it. They're that common. Okay. So in these times, you see the more commonality of things, just mm-hmm. like 9mm, right, mm-hmm. or 45s. Mm-hmm. The same thing goes on there mm-hmm. when you talk those type of calibers. Mm-hmm. So we see the 308 always being viable and still is today, even though you have the nice 6.5 Creedmoor or the really nice 6mm Creedmoor that's coming on. But those things are being diminished right now because of the the big push to buy something. Okay, so six five is still boutique. Six five is still boutique in your opinion. No, I wouldn't say that. I think it's okay. taken on a lot more in the hunting world. Okay. When you're buying a defensive gun, I don't see many people that are looking at it. Yeah. And really think about what I said earlier. We live most of us in urban environments. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a five, six hundred yard shot in an urban environment. Yeah. Now let's talk about a mile shooting. Where the hell are you shooting out to a mile? You know, everyone wants to be that classic sniper. No, if, I, if you're at a mile, you could run. <laughs> I made a hit on a plate. Well, that's not hunting when you make a hit right. at 836 yards on the ass end of an elk and now it's running off wounded, is it? Mm-hmm. That's not ethical shooting, but I made a hit. Mm-hmm. Different types of you know, no, understood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Let me get to some other stuff here. DCG 44s wants to know, uh, will the release of the new 22 LR be delayed by this virus crap? No, we've been shipping. We've been shipping the rebel. The first that has it is sportsman's warehouse. So if you want one, find the rebel at the sportsman's warehouse. Really fun. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to look. What are you guys selling that for? Can you say? 649 is the MSRP. They may be selling it for less, but that's the MSRP. Oh, interesting. So nice. basically, if you can afford a Glock pistol, you can afford yeah. one of them. I like a nice, twi- I like a 22 um, LR AR. I think, you know. It, 
Yeah. It's, it's you know what the way we designed it. It's not it's not an um uh, um uh, ten twenty two Ruger. Mm -hmm. It's not an AR fifteen. It's our own design, mm -hmm. little compact, and then we called it a pistol. We did a plastic lower. It has a monolithic type of upper. Mm -hmm. Um, one piece design and we get it's pretty heavy duty okay. and it's nine but 649 MSRP and it will sell it may sell in some stores for around 599 yeah you have it looks like I'm looking at your website it looks like you have pistol versions of it right yes and that's how we're selling it with an 8 inch barrel oh okay um, and then what magazine is it using oh it uses the most famous magazine for 22s the 10 22 style magazine oh okay it does okay a 10 rounder because that covers all the states okay can you put stick mags or drum mags in it of course right if the magazines are worth the beans but of course you okay i'm um, showing that i'm showing that right now on the screen that's cool that's yeah. cool so it uses okay yeah so that that's a really good product plus it helps right. pof a lot of people have misconceptions that we're an extremely expensive company mm -hmm. in our product lines. And I'm not saying that we don't have, ex, you know, mm -hmm. products that, you know, go into the $2,600. That's, that's good money there. But we have something that's an opener, $649. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, yeah, that's in the, that's in the category of what I see for aluminum ARs. I mean, if you're going to get like a plastic one, you might get a... You might get a Smith & Wesson M&P 22 or something like that cheaper. But I like the aluminum ones because I think you get like a better weight out of it. And and um, the gun weighs like three and a quarter pounds. It's fun to shoot. You can mm -hmm. shoot some sonic ammo with a right. suppressor on it or standard ammo. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to train kids on. You can train kids if they're respectful and they listen. You get to the point where some of these guns are too front heavy. For mm -hmm. kids, but if they're respectful and they learn and they're good students, right, mm -hmm. and know how to properly handle stuff, you can get to the point where they can stand up and actually shoot the gun because it's not so heavy to yeah. handle, front yeah. heavy. Right. Can I make a suggestion here, Frank? Yes. This would be a perfect uh, gun to make a bullpup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I couldn't resist it. Whatever. Yeah, Ricardo, I'll say, yeah, there's not much there to blow. <laughs> okay, I'm just, yeah, I'm just teasing when you. When it comes to rifle cartridges, it's a whole world of difference, buddy. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah, make the 22, make the 22 bullpup version of this, Frank. I'm all in. <laughs> all in. Um, okay, Dillspec816 says, um... Uh, will we ever get to see the POF subgun come back? He also says, got to say hi to Frank at SHOT Show. He's the man. Great show tonight. Thank you. So about the subgun, uh, so you you probably met Dylan at SHOT Show. Uh, he, sure. was def he was definitely talking about you. He's a, he's a young young guy from Kentucky. Um, so I could tell you where we're at. The, the, the Rebel 22 is a derivative of the 9mm. Mm -hmm. Eventually, we will come out with it, but I'm mm -hmm. not in a race. We we made a decision to come out with the 22 to stand that one up first mm -hmm. because I think it would be more prolific for us instead of another 9mm PCC saying, me too, me too, me too, and here's why it's better. Mm -hmm. You could do a lot with a 22 as well, like just not just training. There's lots of things you could do. I mean, you could hunt with that. You can hunt small game with it if you had to. You know, there's some things you could do. 
And everything went hunting is shot placement unequivocally. Yeah. Okay. Right? Hands down. It's all shot placement. Yeah. You got biggest of caliber. And if you don't hit them correctly, they're going to go. So, the, so you are going to do um, nine millimeter, you know, maybe some other calibers. That's perhaps that's down the road. Likely down the road, we will. Okay, we, is that is that going to be a, that because the nine millimeter is so prolific, right? You know? So with that, are you going to go just like how you went with a Ruger magazine? Are you going to go with a Glock magazine for that, or you know, you're going to go pr- pr- proprietary? Sure. Don't go proprietary, man. Get get use a magazine everyone else can get their hands on. You're, you're correct. You're correct. Okay. But mm-hmm. me, for me, I guess I'm not buying my product, but <laughs> I, for me personally, uh-huh. I'm a car kind of buff guy, right? Mm-hmm. It's looks and functionality. Right, right. Ergonomics and the look of a AR with a Glock mag in it just looks like ass to me. Okay, you don't like the look. They they function, but it's a different angle feeding. You're feeding upward and forward. It's yeah. not like your pistol. It wasn't meant for that. Does it work? Unequivocally. Okay. Those magazines function very good, and they work. You have new things you have to do to function it. Have we done it? Of course. But when it comes to this idiot, I just don't want to f- friggin' vomit me too all the time. Okay. So just, so what I, magazine I, that exists already out there do you like? What magazines do you like? Do you like a Scorpion mag? You, you know, what? That's, that's one that looks good. Uh, okay. an, an MPX mag is another nice one. Okay. Uh, if you come out with a Colt, hello, 1970. I know. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Don't say Colt. I mean, it's kind of old school. It's kind of old school, man. It, it is. It yeah. is. I mean, yeah. It would be like the and, MP5. And people have done it. People have done it already, too. Yeah, and an MP5 okay. magazine, well, it doesn't have last round hold open. Well, you can do something like the Glock mags, and it's like, uh nah. Yeah, you got to go down. Look, I think, okay, so the Scorpion. The, too. At the end of the day, we mm-hmm. have a product here. I need to fluidly be able to manip- manipulate the gun quick right. and fast and handle it. And if I keep a lot of the, the ergonomics the same, I have a better opportunity of running it efficiently. Don't get me wrong. There's mm-hmm. people that run the PCCs with the Glock mags really fast, mm-hmm. but they're counter intuitive than your m16 mag you're doing stuff differently it's like having an ak and rocking the mag in compared to shoving it in the hole right mm-hmm. there are two different disciplines there so what do you want to do when it comes to memory skill you and i can sit at a bench and talk like we are right now never look in our mag have it in front of us have a box of ammo to the left side or right side grab it and start loading mags mm-hmm. and know if we go to the left or you're right mm-hmm. and the range is clear down there we could literally shoot the gun as we're looking at each other and unload it know it's safe and redo the yeah. whole thing over that's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. all memory skill mm-hmm. so it's good to be have memory skill because it's instinctive mm-hmm. and if you can retain that instinctiveness you have something that's more efficient at all times yeah okay I'm just talking from an engineering no, side. No, that makes sense. I could see where you're like not just a guy that builds guns and understands the engineering or design side of it. You're a guy who understands the aesthetics and the shooting side of it as well, right? You're like a fan of guns. So 
Yeah, you watch you watch people how they shoot. I like a lot of times just mm-hmm. watching people how they manipulate and mm-hmm. shoot instead of me shooting. Here, shoot my guns. I don't care. I just want to see how you shoot and handle it, how it how you handle it, how it recoils, mm-hmm. you know, how you manipulate it because those things are important because mm-hmm. that's when the piece of metal that I cut mm-hmm. turns to life. Mm-hmm. Because now it's in the hand of an operator and what can they do and what can they achieve with it? You know, if they're extremely efficient, at what plateau can they take this this product to? Mm-hmm. To me, my turn on has never been this. It has never been our spreadsheet and dollars on it. My turn on has always been watching a concept come to life and seeing it, you know, from a concept being drawn, thinking about it to actually drawing it to machining the prototype parts, watching it all come together, mm-hmm. and then watching through failures succeeding and going through the whole gamut from from a concept to failures, weak links with it, and figuring it out to where now this is a viable product and it kicks ass. Mm-hmm. And I want a product that I know that kicks ass, that it's tough, durable, and it's it's always in the fight. It never quits. Mm-hmm. As, as saying that, I'm a human being, like everyone else, and like when I said I wouldn't do a bullpup design because catastrophic failure can and will happen at times, right? Mm-hmm. So, but everything you do to a component, if you go through every single part, the sum of everything in a mechanical design is the sum of each and every component. The weakest link is how strong that product is. So if I can enhance a product 5%, 10 3%, 33%, 87%, the sum of it all together is a lot better, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. As long as I didn't make it too tight where it didn't function, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those are – because that's reality. Hey, mm-hmm. I can make the tightest fitting thing. This thing can shoot – three or five shot groups like hell, but I can't run a 30 round magazine because it can't run it. It's blowing yeah. primers, it's piercing yeah. primers, it's doing a bunch yeah, of Or it can't run every kind of ammo or something like that. Yeah. 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 Um, so, act. yeah, absolutely. Len Holt says, bolt rifle, question mark. So I see this. There's other companies out there building bolt rifles. Are you guys looking to uh, get into that game or is that hashtag me too for you also? No. If we do, mm-hmm. which we will, it'll be our own twist. Okay. We, we, have, we have to come out with a product that has some DNA that's POF, that makes it a POF. I don't want to just come out with something and it's just me too stuff. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to do that. It's not about a spreadsheet, you know, and you have a business and as it grows, those things come into concern, but... I still believe and have been shown through freedom mm-hmm. and our individual right of choice. When I stay focused and we stay focused on trying to do the very best and finding unique ways to improve our engineered designs and make them better. And let me tell you, engineered designs, because we literally do. We have over, we have just almost 3,000 prints in our inventory. How yeah. many? factories that you talk to talk about their prints mm-hmm. you know? what do you when you say print what's the what's the definition of that what it takes to make one part i okay. have prints 
for every single part. And I'm not talking mil spec. I have those too. POF, Patriot Ordnance Factory, has a print for every single part, pin, screw, spring, barrel, everything. Everything that makes a widget. So we're literally an engineering firm that happens to make our own product. You know, we do a lot of engineering, a lot of testing, and a lot of testing of stuff that will never see the street. Okay. You know? So, and you're making everything, or some of those things are still are made outside. Okay. Well, there's another great point. Okay. So I was in aerospace, and I'm going to get to exactly what you said. When you're building stuff for Boeing or Airbus. You have vendor codes and you have date codes. So when you get on an aircraft, every single part on that aircraft has a date code when it was made. And in that date code, it has a vendor code. Mm -hmm. well, let me tell you what POF does, which the industry doesn't do. Because I surpass anything that's mill spec. Because we adhere to our policies and procedures. So... Every single part, most of them have date codes. So our gas block has a date code. Some of our muzzle devices have a date code. Some of our um, our barrels have two. When the when it's rifled, and then when we turn it into a barrel, everybody's going to be looking at their guns right now. See how many eight, codes are Barrel nut has a date code. Okay. Our, our rail system has a date code. Our upper receiver has a date code. Our lower, obviously, I use the first couple of digits i know the year we can go in the book to mm -hmm. find right mm -hmm. not the book but our software find mm -hmm. out what date it was actually made. our bolt carrier has a date code our ambidextrous charging handle not the mill spec but the ambidextrous that we make have date codes we make all our own 308 bolts and extractors i buy the 223 versions because i go to someone's been doing mill spec a long time and I can't get them to change their process. But when you look at the Revolution or the Rogue or our P-308, not only does our bolt carrier have a date code on it, our bolt, where the extractor is, has a date code in it. Our extractor has a date code on it. Mm. Our buffer tube has a date code on it. So I'm telling you stuff that most people don't care, but here's why. I have traceability. We created software called apb360.com. It's software. I know the person who built the lower receiver and completed. I could turn on Google Map and see the location. I know the time, date, and who it was, and I could see it on GPS map. In, in your factory? Yep. Okay. I know who built the upper receiver. Mm -hmm. I know who test fired it. I know who cleaned it, mounted the rail system and the muzzle vise. I know who packaged it, and our FFL has intelligence. We could do video, but we don't use the memory. We take high-definition pictures, and we have iPads, or we use our app with our phones, and people are building the guns. I know who – I have total traceability of who, what, why, and when things were done, and I can literally ship you a pallet of firearms – and I can give you a PDF before the pallet shows up, email it to you, and you can have each and every package show you what's in it and say, hey, this first PDF says apples. Hey, there's the pallet. There's the package called apples. Open apples. Okay, I should have all this with apples. Hey, apples, apples, good. Pears, pears. 
oranges, oranges. I know I'm talking fruit because mm-hmm. I'm kind of pretty, but but <laughs> what I'm saying is knowledge. Uh, someone, someone, knowledge someone. is power. Right. Knowledge mm-hmm. is power. So mm-hmm. the more you understand your widget, the more you understand why it fails. You want to have failure. So when we build products, failure is an important thing because what if you build something that works perfect right out of the gate? Well, what makes it not work? Do you know that? You yeah. should know that. Yeah. You should. You should know why it doesn't work and what makes it break. Mm-hmm. You should understand those things and go across the board with it. Yeah. That's the goal with every product is to know what makes it work and why it doesn't. Right. Absolutely. Okay, let's go to the next one. Oz the Greater says, hey, Frank, how do you feel about the POF Revolution DI being in a sci-fi adventure novel, and um, on, on top of that, I would add, I'm sh- you know, you're, I'm sure your guns are in lots of different uh, movies, books, etc. What sci-fi? What sci-fi novel is it in? I'm guessing this guy Oz the Greater is writing a novel, so that's. Well, yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you because it'd be a great survival yeah. gun. Because yeah. what I was going to bring up earlier was. Mm-hmm. The revolution opened a doorway that never existed. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to, Hank, I'm not trying to sound arrogant. I'm mm-hmm. talking from confidence, from the standpoint of engineering. Mm-hmm. I've been testing and shooting that gun since 2014. Mm-hmm. In range, you know the guys at In Range yeah. TV? Yeah. Carl, Carl did gun a Jesus. Test. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Carl test just on the gun. First, he ran it in a three gun, and he did a cool video mm-hmm. competing against five, five, six guns to see how it worked. Mm-hmm. Pretty good video. Mm-hmm. But his intriguing video was he had an SP1 Colt, and he had the Revolution DI next to it. Mm-hmm. He shot the Revolution DI. He shot the SP1 Colt. He took the bolt carriers out of bolt, took the 308 bolt and firing pin out of our carrier put the SP-1 Colt's bolt and firing pin in our carrier, threw it into the SP-1, and shot the gun, and then reversed it back. So what I'm saying, we have so many parts because we engineered an M-16 to shoot 7.62 by 51 308. That's never been done before, and that is why the platform is so much lighter. Mm-hmm. Keith Garcia did a mag change in .9 seconds. Shot. Dropped the mag through another one and shot 0.9 seconds. Extremely fast. Wow. Okay. Handling and manipulating. He does a lot of stuff. He's a five-time national champion in three-gun. Mm-hmm. He's 50 years old now. Mm-hmm. But he he does pack timing on everything. He's got drills that he knows with his 223, 556 carbines, he has to achieve X amount of time to stay at the top of his games. He's achieving that with the 16-and-a-half-inch Revolution DI. Mm-hmm. He's doing the same times and speeds with it and has done several videos of that. So what I'm saying is there's been two paths and two doorways. You always had the, the battle rifle. It was heavy and bulky, but, boy, it had has horsepower. And the snipers, even in law enforcement or military, do you ever hear snipers double-tap their targets? No, uh, no, no, no. One, one shot, one kill. One done, one and done. Yeah. And then we have the lightweight carbine that has excelled past what the MP5 as a subgun did for law enforcement, and even the military. It had more horsepower, 
but it was good in closer elements and you know urban per se right it's mm -hmm. not a mountain top the mountain type type of cartridge or gun but it still had limitations too mm -hmm. because it's not this big caliber but everyone keeps that platform alive because it's so light and it's so quick and fast and easy to manipulate and it's accurate right mm -hmm. so that so the two doorways were there all we did is no different than working on a truck or a Jeep or a bike, you know, we're going to the races, right? Or a muscle car. We we had the smallest, lightest chassis and we shoved the biggest ass motor and tires that we can get traction mm -hmm. to kick everybody's yeah. ass. Shelby, Shelby out. plan. Yeah. The Shelby so plan. <laughs> we did that. So we mm -hmm. opened the third doorway that never existed. And the revolution did that first with the piston and then we did the DI. In three years, 2017, 18, 19, we got awarded Rifle of the Year twice from the Industry Choice Awards and once from the Golden Bullseye from the NRA. I never thought that would happen because there's so much politics with the NRA and especially right. how much money you advertise, right? Right, absolutely. We were, we were blessed. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I'll ever see that again, but in doing so, the revolution was such a good thing for us, but the limitation from hearing from the, the public, hey, man, it's a nice gun, but it's expensive. So IE comes out, 2020, the Rogue. Mm -hmm. Four receivers, right? And we went back to the basics, not all this ambidextrous. There's an ambidextrous selector. But mm -hmm. in doing so, we, we stepped up the game. Not only is it seventeen ninety nine, right? You may have a SIG for fourteen twenty nine. That's a DI version of the seven sixteen, but it's eight and a half pounds. Mm -hmm. At Springfield Armory, the same type of thing, mm -hmm. you know, or an eight pound gun like the Scar. Scar's eight pounds, but mm -hmm. they're you know, what three thousand mm -hmm. dollars? Yeah. Our Rogue. Our Rogue, we stepped the game up again. We went to forged upper and lower. We went to the basic control. It has a four and a half pound um, trigger, drop-in trigger, quick, fast reset, ambidextrous safety selector, standard charging handle, heat sink barrel nut with the Renegade rail. It has four quick release points on it, M-Lock three, six, and nine. But the 16 and a half inch carbine using a stainless steel barrel, one and eight twist, five R, one and eight twist, at seventeen ninety nine weighs five point nine pounds. Okay, cool. Seven six two by fifty one three oh eight. Tell me one platform in the world that has achieved that. It doesn't exist. And then that if you has a, that has a drop in trigger and everything. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at your website. It's got a drop in trigger, a low profile gas block, has our M lock rail, the renegade rail. Mm -hmm. With the heat sink barrel nut, it has E-squared chamber where we have four channels in the neck, so we use the gas to push and pull. Kind of, but not like, but kind of like if you want to talk the fluting in the, uh, the HK design. Mm -hmm. But we just deal with four channels in the neck only. So it's kind of like that geometry set I talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. I, my 40s, I shoved a square peg finally into that round hole. Mm -hmm. and. Or corners of the channels in the neck. So I break free the neck and the gases push on the base of the shoulder. So you have push-pull extraction. Hmm. Um, we have a roller cam pin. 
You know, you have an anti-tilt buffer tube, the heat sink barrel nut. But we got a one and eight twist barrel, and it weighs 5.9 pounds for 17.99 MSRP. There is nothing like that in the world except the pistol version with the 12 and a half inch barrel that weighs 5.7 pounds. <laughs> nice. nice. So, so when I was talking earlier to you about. You know, we have two different type of areas that you deal with. You got mountaintop to mountain type where you got that big heavy gun, long barrel, huge cartridge because you're shooting a mile, right? Mm -hmm. Urban environment, where are you shooting six, seven hundred, seven hundred fifty yards at? Not, not uh, a lot of places. I think most of, most of what's going to actually happen to you is what, like uh, less than a hundred yards, probably. So here, let me tell you some funny stuff. I've been using our prototype, and it was in the raw for over two years of me shooting it. But I made, I did type two anodized red because mm -hmm. all rogue, right? Mm -hmm. So I did red. I've been shooting the prototype, and I've been using it personally and doing three gun matches. But I also use it in local PRS matches. Okay. <laughs> I have a one to eight night force. Mm -hmm. Not not the ATAC. I have the NX eight. Mm -hmm. and it has mill it has mill reticle right mm -hmm. so i use the reticle and i've been shooting out to just over 600 yards using the reticle with 155 grain boat tail hollow point american gunner by hornady not mm -hmm. only is it accurate i'm shooting me and i'm not that great of a shot i personally shot like a three-quarter inch group mm-hmm now, maybe to other people, that doesn't mean nothing. To me, that's huge because if I shoot an inch and a half at a deer, it's gone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. But yes. here's yeah. this little lightweight 5.7-pound gun mm -hmm. that weighs less than an M16 M4 that's 6.6 .6 pounds. And I got what caliber and punch behind it? 7.62 by 51 firepower shooting 155-grain bullet? Mm-hmm. I could beef up the speed a little bit if I want and put a 110 grain bullet, but I'm trying to use the same bullet and use my dope and run through the reticle to shoot all the way out to, through the reticle out to 750 yards. Wow. So I have one platform. I mm -hmm. can, it's got one power. I could do an entry with that gun, couldn't I? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My truck gun. Okay. And how many times do you hear you know, law enforcement may make up things, not make up stuff, but make a statement. Oh, we can't have over penetration. Well, go by the FBI statistics and show me how many over penetration the 308 gives you compared to, which there's like no thing on the 308 saying that, compared to how many times 556-223 has had soft barrier, you know, stop their cartridges. You know, like a drywall or something like that. What I'm saying is the 5.56 five, can be defeated even and deflected off a windshield at a certain angle. Mm -hmm. Right? When you're going after a vehicle, how many people are in vehicles that, that engage with a police officer in lethal and then drive off and start shooting up the town and hurt harm other people as mm -hmm. they're doing it, right? Mm-hmm. I want to have an ability to have a firearm that overmatches everybody. So if law enforcement or military have to engage, they they are King Kong. 
they are the top dog in that arena, not just because communication or training skills, but if it goes to that type of um, development where it's it's heinous now, that I want them to overmatch everyone, and that's I want them to dominate that arena. Okay. Okay. But it's a vehicle in a building or an urban environment, and that platform does that because they can handle it, manipulate it, shoot it just as quick and fast as an AR. Mm-hmm. but they're delivering the 7.62 by 51 horsepower and punch. Okay. Now you have something that's never been available in the world, i.e. that's why we've been building all these cartridges to be like. Some, you're trying yeah. to make this tiny carbine that's lightweight into something it's never was mm-hmm. until now. Because instead of us chasing cartridges to say, me too, we chose to say, hey, can you make the 762 by 51 shoot out of the AR15 M16 platform? Yeah. We achieved it through engineering. Okay. So that leads me to the next question here, which I guess you just answered it. Check your 6 says what is your opinion? What in your opinion is the best caliber for the AR type platform? So. Well, right for right now because of 762 by 51 308. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because it's so prolific, you can get it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Almost like at Circle K, the convenience store. Remember when we talked mm-hmm. there? So, if things got really bad, probably even your buddy has some 308s he could give you, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. to help you out, right? Mm-hmm. How many of these oddball ammos do people have stockpiles of? Where you have 556, 9mm, you know. 762 by 39 because that's a very you know with the AK firearms in this country mm-hmm. 762 by 51 so unless you're a reloader and have a bunch of stockpiles you know product it doesn't matter what you have I guess yeah let me go to another one here because I know we're running down on time we got a couple of minutes Dan Ringman says Frank is the rogue shipping thank you for supporting LEO and first responders uh, he wants to know if the rogue is shipping Yes, it just started shipping about eh, almost four weeks ago. We we're actually mm-hmm. shipping it out the door. Um, not as fast as I'd like to see it to go, but the process is improving upon. So we're slowly getting it going, going faster and more efficient. The same thing with our 22. Every time you have a new product, it's that process of getting it stood up. So you crawl. Then you walk, you can jog, and then eventually you get to the point where you're running and doing sprints. Mm-hmm. Got to get to that point. But in every product that when you start standing it up, it takes time to build it to that level. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's see. I'm just trying to um, go on to the uh, bricks. Says thank you, POF. Good Lord, Glock this, Glock that. Do something new for goodness sakes. Um, <laughs> I, I get, but did you guys? Um, you guys did a version of the Glock, though, right? Yes, yes, that was our yeah. first step of dipping into the water. We made our own frame, not just slides, mm-hmm. our own frame. So it was a bunch of ergonomic things on that. So you even have like a gas pedal for your thumb. You know, yeah. Your, I'm gonna let me see. I think I've got that on the website here. I'll throw it up. Uh, so, is it called the Gentleman's Pistol or something like yeah, that? Yeah, we call it the Gentleman Series. Okay. P19, so it's it's kind of like a Glock 19. So so upgraded much, trigger. 
Yeah, we've done our own trigger. I could tell you the stuff we don't make. We don't make the magazine. We don't make the trigger board. We don't make some of the enhanced releases for the slide or taking the slide off or holding the slide open. But at the end of the day, pretty much everything else is made, you know, by us or working with some vendors to building to our print and our specifications. What's the uh, cost of that? Um, I think it's 1099 MSRP in that area. Okay. Okay. Interesting. What what made you decide to uh, jump into that? To try to do something with an actual handgun, mm-hmm. not an AR pistol, but an actual real handgun. I wouldn't mind one day building a revolver. I think mm-hmm. those are cool. You know what I mean? Or a semi-auto 1911 or something style thing. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or maybe it's a combination of certain things. You just never know. You know, you can play. So how do you put your company, where do you put your items of what you want to try to sell? Because mm-hmm. we could just do Me Too stuff all over and just try to grow it that way. And you can. It just takes a lot of money and time. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, think about this, Hank, 25 grand, and we built this company. We didn't take, we owe nobody any money. Mm -hmm. Banks didn't start working with us till like six years ago. Everything we we put back into the company Mm -hmm. because it's, we make, I make a good living, my wife and I, but the real wealth of the business is in the business because we keep putting it back in. Mm-hmm. It's our family's future. Mm-hmm. My wife and I won't see that. It's just hopefully our family and my sons and daughters, they're active. My my son and my one daughter is very active here. My other daughter works someone else. But my brother, my son-in-law works here that's married to my one daughter doesn't work here. So it's very much a family-oriented thing. Mm-hmm. And I hope... And praying, I'll never see it, but I hope one day that POF becomes an important part of this nation's history, mm-hmm. that we're able to contribute in a positive way to help our nation. Because I look at some companies, and I'll say their names, look at Remington, mm-hmm. 1813. They're the oldest firearms company. It's a shame what's happening, yeah. Yeah, and now they're controlled by banks. And hedge funds that buy them that were more worried about the spreadsheet and how much money they could take out of it, you know, and harm the business instead of actually growing it, you know. Look at Smith & Wesson's. It's con- contribution to our nation's, you know, help as we grew as a nation, a young nation. Look at Colt, the same thing. Mm-hmm. It, it For me, I wish I could own the brand of Colt. I would make it kick ass. Mm-hmm. I would it's something to be proud of. Sure I think be. I think you should be proud of POF, man. I think you should be proud of it. I think you guys have done, done pretty good, you know. And, uh, you know, obviously we got another 100 years to jump in the time machine and come back and take a look at it. But I think you've done a good job so far, you know, considering you've been around since uh, the early zeros. Yeah. You know, I think you guys have done pretty good. I mean, there's lots of kudos coming in here from folks. We're literally at nine o'clock. So um, but I think there's just a lot of kudos coming. I'm going to take one more question and then we're going to start to wrap it up. But Mr. Uh, Lovell says, I love my POF 16 inch barrels. Awesome. But I want to make a DMR. Will POF ever make and sell just their 20 inch barrels, 16 inches? 
the only one offered at the moment. We do have a 20 inch, but it's in six five Creedmoor. Okay. So yeah. we do offer that right now. We have it in the P three hundred eight in the Revolution, and that's mm. another thing, Hank. Maybe some of your people could say, "What kind of calibers mm. and lens?" Because would you want an eighteen and a half inch DMR in seven six two by fifty one, or a twenty or twenty four inch barrel in six five Creedmoor or six millimeter Creedmoor? Those are things that mm. I'm interested in hearing and knowing. And it doesn't have to be on this podcast. It can right. be a collection of over time that you can give feedback to because absolutely yeah we can do exist is because the people that gave us opportunities and of course i would like to build mm -hmm. something that would aid in what they're looking for yeah so yeah maybe um so i don't know you know maybe we can get some people to answer the question now leave some comments here i definitely like to have you come back man and we can we can get into that and get some feedback from the folks out there yoel adam says uh bullpup revolver i totally agree with this <laughs> wow what a combination that would be. yeah i'm telling you i'm in i'm in i'll get two i'll get two we'll have to throw the revolver in our outfit <laughs> i don't know exactly yeah there are there is kind of, i've seen kind of bullpup revolver type things or, or something with a cylinder that's a bullpup but yeah listen i think you guys are doing really great i'm glad you came on man um you know, I, I think we we definitely have to do this again i i don't know how you feel about that but time yeah. went really fast here in a heartbeat, and we yeah. haven't. We have really haven't even scratched the surface. No, out. none of Lola had notes over here. She was like asking about this. I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> next time. <laughs> Anytime you want me on, Hank. Yeah, I'm on. absolutely. We'll definitely have you on here again. I know there's lots of people that didn't get their comments or questions and stuff like that in. If the folks out there do want to get in touch with you guys, like where should they go? How can they maybe get in touch, ask some of these questions, or answer? Like that question that you asked about, you know, what caliber is in different barrel lengths? POF-USA.com. And you can go to technical or you could go to sales. In fact, sales email, sales at POF-USA.com. I mean, they would love to have some feedback feed back from the public as to some of the things they're looking for and like. And obviously, mm. this is just one platform here. You got Facebook mm. or Instagram or whatever they can mm -hmm. get on to our POF or Patriot Ordnance Factory items on Facebook or Instagram, and they can give feedback like that too. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, I, I think the platform, I, I believe, and I'm proud of our team, I'm proud of our company, I'm proud of our nation, I'm proud to be an American, I'm proud to build 100% American-made products from Can Do Attitude of our team to never quit attitude of just keep pushing the envelope till we succeed at what we're trying to achieve. Um, and, you know, sometimes you do got to look at where you're, where you're trying to go as a company, but I think you're going to see new products and different products, not just always AR platforms. Okay. I, Hank. Mm-hmm. How much further can we take the AR than what we have? And I've always said that to mm -hmm. myself, and then all of a sudden we do something else. But yeah. a 5.7-pound 308 semi-automatic, you can make it full auto. I've, I shoot one. so yeah. I think I we're mean, on the bleeding edge. I think we're on the bleeding edge, man. It's like what um, Honda said about the uh, like the four-cylinder, you know? 
Remember when they, I think they, what did they get the four-cylinder to, like, uh, 240 horsepower? I know there's people that have gotten it over that with turbos, but without yeah. turbos and stuff like that. I think there's a limit, and then you have to now start thinking, like, what's, you know, not to say that that's going away, but we do have to start thinking about, okay, where do we go from here and really, you know. So I'm, I'm a competitor. We're a basketball team, right? Mm-hmm. We've leaped way ahead of our competition when it comes to that platform. Mm -hmm. Unequivocally, from an engineering standpoint, what platform has mm -hmm. that much horsepower, that light of weight, that fast, that nimble, mm -hmm. that accurate, and all the packages for the ultimate urban platform, literally, one and done? Because a lot of training you see on flat ranges with carbines shooting 5.56 or 300 blackout or whatever – even sub guns, they're doing double taps. How much quicker can we be on the target if I just do one and done and I move to the next one? How much faster I am as an operator and manipulating through those things? Mm -hmm. I'm quicker, faster, and I use less ammo, but the ammo is actually doing the job. So I think what POF needs to do is we need to look outside. You brought up something with a bolt gun. Maybe there's some other derivatives or whatever. Bullpup, you can still make, you can make the better bullpup. You can still you can do it, Frank. If anyone could do it, you could do it. I'm pretty you sure. You can too. All yeah. of us. <laughs> yeah, we all absolutely. have the opportunity, but you're good at what you do, and, yeah. and, I guess, and I guess I'm I'm honored to be able to do what we do. But I can tell you one thing: we have a really good team of people here, mm -hmm. and a lot of us are long term. Meaning, for being a young company, mm -hmm. we most of our people hardly ever do we have people leave here mm -hmm. because they're treated the right way and their dreams are our dreams too because they come in and say hey what if we tried this or what if we tried that we want dreamers mm -hmm. also with dreaming you also have to do an action to make it come become a reality mm -hmm. you gotta so, take steps and then at what point does it make sense are we taking the company in this direction or that direction, what are you trying to be and where are we trying to go with it? So there's also a bigger picture too, at times that may hold us up on doing certain things, but, and I'm probably the worst one being the, the lead dummy here, but, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I'm proud of what we've achieved and being such a young company. And that all goes to freedom, our individual right of choice. Mm -hmm succeed and try and fail and it's up to each of us to decide what what succeeding or failing is and it doesn't have to be a piece of paper with ink on it that people think that it makes you important money doesn't make you important it's right here mm -hmm. you are person how you interact with people how you treat people with respect and right now this country needs a lot more of that yeah. we need a more respect for one another and respect for oneself and get this country roaring, roaring again mm -hmm. because thank you President Trump because we actually finally had whether whether he says something coarse or not I don't care because the actions of the man show me he's a true patriot he's almost a patriot of back of what started this nation where he's giving up all his wealth and everything he could lose it all he's working for free for the betterment of you and i and the american people 
I didn't see him go buy more mansions all over the world in his power, but I see a lot of politicians that have enriched themselves in many years of being in office. So mm-hmm. he's villainized by people. I respect him highly. You know what's more important than a basketball player or a football or baseball player? That you know, not only just the first responders and the nurses and doctors in our hospitals. What about all the people, the truck drivers and the logistics that move the supplies so you and I have water and food and, by God, the toilet paper that everyone's, you know, going crazy over because I, I don't know if they're going to have the shits at the end of days or what. <laughs> they gotta have, yeah. they get that toilet paper. But you know what? If it wasn't for common people that actually cared, we would be in dire straits worse than now. Yeah, I think we're all important. We're all part of this tapestry that makes up America and makes America like the greatest country on the face of the planet, even though it's one of the youngest countries. So when I see when I see athletes that disrespect the flag and disrespect um, the president and disrespect veterans, me as an American citizen, all those things piss me off royal. Yeah, I think and we all get mad about that. You, you are so blessed to be in a country where some stupid idiot throwing a ball through a hoop's making a hundred million a year, mm-hmm. and a truck driver's making sixty, eighty grand. Yeah. How about you make less than what a truck driver does? Yeah, we could do know? a lot of stupid things and make money. By the way, yeah, and learn to be respectful <laughs> again, and then maybe when that comes back, you can make your stupid money. But yeah. where where does that turn? Just because. You have paper with ink in it and thinks you're a better person than everybody else. Grow no. up. No, no one's better. No, no one's better. We should. We're all. We, you know, we're different people. We're different people, but we, uh, we all were born with the same uh, rights. So, yeah. and we all have the same desires. I don't care where you are in the world. Does a parent want the best for their children? Mm-hmm. And knowing that before they leave this earth, that their children are safe. Mm-hmm. Parent every every single one. Every single one. Except the broken ones. Okay, listen. We got to do this again. Otherwise, <laughs> we could easily be here for Sorry. another hour. No, no, it's cool. It's cool, man. I think it's awesome. I want to thank you for coming on. It's great. We got to have you back on here again. Everyone enjoyed it. There's lots of kudos coming through here. Thanks to all the people who are still hanging out with us. We appreciate that. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ask you guys to go to HankStrange.com, sign up for the email list. Like I said, thanks to Franklin Omri for sponsoring the show here. Thanks to uh, Frank DeSoma of POF for coming in, hanging out with us. I'm gonna drop the end thing. Frank, stay right there. I'm gonna dro- oh wait, I pressed the wrong button again. Did it? Did the same thing yesterday. Um, <laughs> make sure you guys subscribe, smash the thumbs up, ring the bell so you can be notified every time we go live. Uh, you guys got treated to the to the crazy uh, clown. You, I don't know if you can see this yet, Frank. You'll have to see it later. I pressed the button. The crazy clown came out of nowhere. But uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks to everyone for joining us. We're out of here. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Peace out, Frank. Any last words before I press this button? This is your last God, chance. God bless you and God bless America. God bless America. Amen. We're out. Peace.